Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, the full spoiler podcast, where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm really bad at coming up with things on the fly. I mean, I'm Alex. And this week, we're taking a look at Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. We stumbled a little bit out of the gate there. I don't know what you're talking about. We can only go up. We can only go up. up. Like Hedwig. Just like the transition from from Half Blood Prince to Deathly Hallows Part One, we can, we can only, only go, up. go up. That's not true. It could have gone down. Ah, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that last one was pretty terrible. Um, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One, directed by Davy Yates from 2010. It has a 78% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 85% audience score. Uh, Tyler, I think you liked this a bit more than I did. Is that that fair to say? Probably. Okay. I I came up with another uh, trusty list of misgivings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how many of them are just you, nitpicks and how mu- many of them you, actually hold could, water. You could convince me. It's you could convince me to bring it. Bring my grade down. I don't know. We'll we'll see how the how the conversation flows. Well, it's just kind of once again. I, I wasn't like really and you know i had my expectations moderately set i guess just because in the past this has been among my favorites yeah and it's not necessarily there anymore Mm -hmm. um yeah i I have some issues with this one but we're almost done with harry potter so it's fine we're almost done and then we can move on to uh i won't say greener pastures necessarily just different ones Mm -hmm. uh so tyler what is your best thing and your worst thing about Harry Potter and the Infinity War Part 1. Oh, that's Greener Pastures. We get to watch Infinity War. Right. There you go. Can we do that and then next? We get, and then we get to watch Deadpool 2, the extended cut. Everyone's going to be like, why are you talking bad? Like, talking like that's a bad thing. And it's like, because we think it's a bad thing. I think it's a meh yeah. thing. Uh, you well, think uh, it's a bad thing. That'll be a that'll be a fun. Uh, well, the, uh, well, let's go ahead and lay out the plan. So the plan right now, before we really get into it, we gotta keep yeah, the, the audiences sure, sure. excited early on, uh, before we actually talk about the movie <laughs> that we're talking about. Uh, so we're gonna finish up Harry Potter, and we're gonna do Fantastic Beasts. We'll do the first one, of course, uh, since that's the only one out right now. Yeah. Uh, at the time of this recording, anyway. No, we're gonna do both of them, first uh, and second, as of. End of this if month. it if if the first one is as meh as I've heard it is, I feel like I could grade the second movie immediately. <laughs> it's very possible, along with probably the just, other five that are supposed to come out. Probably just it. knock off half a letter grade, and you're you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Johnny Depp's in it too much. D, <laughs> D for Depp. <laughs> um, I agree. But then after that, we'll take we'll take a little break between like huge chunks of franchises. Go ahead and get Infinity War out of the way. Then we'll do Deadpool two, uh, since those have both recently come out. Uh, and then we'll we'll get into Mission Impossible. Is that what we're mm-hmm. doing? I'm so pumped! I'm not. I like me some Mission Impossible. You're. I'll be excited just... to talk about the last few. Really, the, la- like the, the last second one. four have all been have all been fairly good. It's just that the first one I I barely remember. I know it's got the some of the iconic scenes, and then the second one is just the worst. 
It's bad. I I enjoy it and as, then as, as, as we'll, it's so bad it's good we'll type, see. type thing. You're you're opening me up here when we talk about those to really get down in the weeds on on grading grading those last four. And so I might get to the point where I they, I think they get progressively better for the most part. But I I still might get to the point where I'm just like I'm done with all of these. Well, we'll see. I just felt I just felt very vindicated after we saw Fallout together. And your first words to me afterwards were like, "Okay, I'm comfortable with doing Mission <laughs> Impossible now." And like, yes, we got enough that I'm excited about talking about. Because yes. before then it was basically nothing. So well, you hadn't um, seen five until like right before yeah. we saw six, sure. and then you're like, "Wow, that was really good as well." Yeah. I was like, "You don't know what you're missing." So, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Harry part one, Potter what is your best thing and your worst thing? The Johnny Deathly Hallows. Now, now the question is, will you this did be not two even hours slightly like our Half Blood Prince to appreciate my pun, and I'm going to continue talking over you until you do. You may proceed. You do not appreciate. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very upset with you. Um, my favorite thing... Mm, I I would say probably the cast in general. Um, there's some characters who just kind of come out of nowhere that we'll have to talk about. But... Uh, they're they're cast well. Uh, yeah. Donald Donald Gleason shows up as Bill, um, which is this is before he got he got famous, I guess. Yeah, or, or yeah. semi famous. I, I wouldn't say he's like an A list actor, but he's been in some very most people at this point would recognize him for something or yeah. other. Um, either you know General Hux in the Star Wars movies, or even like Ex Machina. You know, right, he was in that, like that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I was thinking Black Mirror. He's he's in. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um. He's a really good actor, and he doesn't do, like, anything in this movie, but he's there, and so that's kind of fun. Um, well, he's also the son of Brendan Gleeson, who plays Moody, so... I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. Huh. He's good, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the, the five minutes the of screen time he has. He um, the guy who plays Mundungus shows up. He's fine, I guess. I don't know. They They get a lot of, like, bits and pieces of people. I mean, the guy... I don't know. It's it's really I guess what I'm talking about is the main cast okay. is easily the best that uh, Rupert Grant has been in all these. Um, it's not particularly close. I feel like uh, Emma Watson's still great. She was my favorite thing about the last movie. Daniel Radcliffe's still good. Everyone's everyone's just trucking on. They're they're slowly assembling a pretty good cast. We we get a Del, or yeah Umbridge back. I forget the actress's name, but um. Imelda Staunton, yeah, I believe she, she she's back. That's nice. Obviously, Ralph fin, f- Fiennes. Fiennes. It's Rafe Fiennes. The L is silent, apparently, and that drives everyone, including myself, crazy. Ralph Fiennes. Uh, it's pronounced Rolf Fiennes. <laughs> Continue. I'm I'm having images of a a movie a, a series where Voldemort is played by Rolf from Ed, Ed and Eddie, and that sounds better than this movie. Um. Back in the old country, we killed the gardener. <laughs> God. All right. Well, there's probably other people that are good in this movie that I'm forgetting. Uh, you know the Malfoys. Um, with with Bellatrix and Co are always good. 
just a good time. Generally, some good performance. I mean, nothing. There's no one who's like winning an Emmy or Emmy, winning an Oscar over here. There's I'm, nobody I'm, who's winning winning a Grammy here. Yeah, that's also correct. Or an MTV's Best uh, <laughs> Kiss Award. I don't know the uh, the the Phantoms of Harry and Hermione from the Locket. That's pretty, that was just terrible. Pretty good. Pretty, that pretty was hot. Just terrible. If I do say so myself. It's it's just that the, they're naked and they're super pale, so that's just weird automatically. <laughs> and then, but there's like what do you smoke have white covering. People? There's <laughs> there's like smoke covering up. Like it's just very odd. It's yes. a very odd image, and they look like I know it's supposed to be an artificial image, but they just look way too weird. It's funny you should mention that. Because if that's if the I, cast is my favorite thing, my least favorite thing is the m- way the movie looks in almost every facet. Now you mean just like color grading, right? Just like I'm talking about the effects as well. I'm okay. saying the entire presentation is very. I don't know if it's because the color grading makes the effects look weirder and look worse, but there are a yeah. lot of really bad effects in this it's movie. It's strange. That's something that's been consistent throughout all these movies. The effects are always yes. a mixed bag. Yeah. Always. Yeah. There's not one that I can look at and say that one's got like... It nails everything. 95% yeah. wonderful yeah. effects. Um, Even like the- Order of the Phoenix, which is the one that we like the most. Like, Grop looks pretty terrible. There's mm-hmm. some weird stuff with like the Thestrals. They don't look all that great. Like, there's just, it's just very strange. It feels like the third and fourth are about when they started to figure things out. Yeah. And... Then they never really did. It, I I think David Yates overall is not very good with the effects. Yes, it, and it will be fascinating watching Deathly Hallows Part Two. Yes, because the the one thing that sticks out in my mind in terms of bad effects there, and I'm probably just speaking way ahead of myself, mm-hmm. is when they're flying into the room of requirement to rescue Draco. All that looks terrible, from what I remember. I don't know, but yeah, the. Not, yeah, like you said, not just the effects, but the color grading. And that's something I also noticed in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Like, it'll be very interesting yes, to, to yeah. compare the two of them. because see if they do it Because they, they are really supposed to be kind of one piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, It looks better than Half-Blood Prince, I think. Yes. I think Half-Blood Prince is a flat-out ugly-looking film. I Agreed. think this one is okay in parts and then ugly in others. Yeah. I think overall the, the net of this one is ugly, but not nearly as much as Half-Blood Prince was. Um. Yeah, it's just very. It's half the the scenes just have seem to have poor lighting. Yeah. Um. There's a. I mean, the, I, the. I'm thinking of a lot of the early. A lot of the the. Maybe not so much a lot of the chase itself at the beginning of the movie with all the brooms. I mean, there's some shaky yeah. stuff there, but especially Hedwig, flying around. I, I made a joke about that just a second ago. That she looks really bad like they edit and that's a whole thing where they like add in a thing where she like flies at a death eater tyler why why she looks bad because she's dead (laughs) that's correct that's that's just in poor taste (laughs) i think you should apologize i apologize to myself for sitting here and not yelling at you for uh telling me that was in poor taste that's fair uh, Hedwig has this bit where she like they have her fly out and like fly at a Death Eater, mm-hmm. and it's like why? And she looks it just it's just not good, a yeah. good effect. And then it, she gets shot. And it's like okay. Well, it, it's just strange, and and like 
I know I'm I'm well known for making my DCEU comparisons, but um, it feels very similar to how they World color grade a lot of the DC movies. DCU comparisons. Well, it's also Warner Brothers, so I yep. think that yep. that makes it kind of fair game. Um, because Warner Brothers, as I have said in the past, is indeed the worst. Right. Um, they are the worst studio. Uh, like with those movies, it, it's the same thing where it's like, oh, it's a it's a series, it's a dark world, so we actually have to suck the color out mm-hmm. of, of of it. I'm like, yeah, but it didn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, c- like, it, and I'll make a further comparison. Like, the, the first couple of uh, Rooster Brothers uh, Marvel movies, mm-hmm. Bo- Winter Soldier and Civil War, they are a bit washed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not to the point where I'm like, this just looks black and white. This just looks terrible. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's just... It, they they just took it too far in mm-hmm. terms of washing out the colors, and you had the problem of in some scenes you said you couldn't even tell what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I never had that problem, um, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's probably just has at least partially to do with the lighting and stuff in my my room that I was watching and everything. But it just there's just a lot of very dark scenes, and they don't. And and the thing is that there's a ton of scenes where nothing is like really, even if it if it was partially my TV at least, there, ugh, Lord, um, there is nothing like super visible until like someone's face popped up, and the face mm-hmm. was like super bright and pale, and it just it's a weird effect, and they, that happens a lot in this movie, yeah, where they distinguish between like it's like everything's black, and then there's like one like really pale thing, and really like gray blue green thing there's several moments in these last couple movies where like it'll be harry's face or somebody else's face i'm like that doesn't look real like it looks like those phantom those projections that ron sees in the horcrux like it doesn't look real why are you doing this to me (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah once again i get it thematically but at the same time particularly if it's magic and it's like you're supposed to have exciting action scenes i want it to look good you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we we talk a lot about movies that I think, for the most part, get the job done in terms of direction, and then it's we we focus more on the story and the characters and everything. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm sure there there's a lot of MCU movies you could point to as examples for this. Uh, maybe like the first Thor, would probably be one. Um, movies like that were just sort of Iron Man two, or just sort of like. Nothing outstanding, but you you did it. You you made yeah. the movie. You know it. We got it. Got you. Got us along there. Um, and generally, the effects look all right. Uh, and I'm I'm sure there's other examples I can think of from other franchises we've done. But my point is that like they, I feel like we're below that point. <laughs> I don't yeah. think we broke even on the uh, the general effects and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's a major. It, it's like a major issue. I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, we'll we'll get into that um, yeah because there's there's a couple of key action sequences that I I really need to talk about yep um I don't like the flying Harry to the burrow scene I think that's mm-hmm. that scene's kind of terrible mm-hmm. and there are many reasons that I will get into why mm-hmm. I think it is not very good um my best thing is going to be the scene uh, Davi's death scene at the end which is funny because you brought up 
you were texting me as you were watching this. You said, Dobby's death is a bit much at the end of this. And I really <laughs> wanted to, to call you and scream at you. I'm like, but that's the only part that made me feel something. You don't always have to feel something. Maybe that's the real the real lesson here. It, it's no, like just I, how washed out this movie is. That's just how my soul is when I watch them. Yes. No, I, I feel like... I mean, I think it's very sweet overall. It's just, it, I think the the... The image of Daniel Radcliffe holding a CGI character and the CGI character has, I, I think, just... a puppet with digital enhancements. Yeah, has, I, but I think Dommy has just, like, just a, a, a few too many lines there where they it kind of drags it out and makes it a little bit me- more melodramatic than it needs to be where it, it could be more of, like, a... Like, they, they add the line in where it's, um... the, the This is a just-movie line where where he says uh that this is a beautiful place to to die among friends or be among friends sorry um which and that's kind of weird because that's an ugly beach yeah you know <laughs> just because of the color grading <laughs> you're not wrong um but that's a really nice line but then he he continues to have like some of the dialogue he has from the book and they have him say a little bit more and it, it kind of goes on i don't know i i feel like it's it's just played a little too far i think i think the line with him stopping Bellatrix and being like Dobby is a free elf and he has come to save his friends he he has no masters like that's a great I think that's 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 the punch we need and then yeah. you have that nice little tag on line at the end as he dies that that would be all I just I, I, it, to me it partially it too it, it sort of uh, rubs me the wrong way because they leave him out of so much of the previous movies um when they well, could've... it's a weird case where they bring him back after so many movies and it doesn't feel jarring or yeah, weird. No, I do agree. It still works. Um, right. But it's just like me thinking about it. I'm like, he, he, was in the, he was a consistent recurring character in the books once yeah. he got introduced. And so it, it's kind of like, wish he would have showed up more. We never got to see Dobby with all his hats. We never, we never got to see Dobby. With all his socks. Yeah, with all his socks where, where once he becomes free, Hermione starts knitting... And of course, this is a whole. I'm just going to go on a tangent here, but this is just delightful. Where where there's the whole thing that got cut out of the fourth movie with Hermione and Spew and the house elves, and uh, she uh, starts knitting hats to try and uh, free the house elves that are working for Hogwarts. And Dobby is there, and so they all like get offended because she keeps trying to trick them into being free. And so yeah. Dobby just starts taking all the hats, and they finally see him, and he's just wearing like 20 hats, and it's great. We never got that, and that makes me sad because that would have just made that so much more depressing when he died. I don't know. I, I think it's. I have to. But yes, I overall. I have to congratulate well. a movie that can consistently move me with a single scene every time I watch it. Yeah. Every time I watch that that scene, it gets an emotional response from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a whole lot of movies can do that. Like every time I watch it, I, yeah. I get like goosebumps. And I think half of it's Radcliffe's performance where he, he's just desperately like, Hermione, help me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's there's nothing they can do. Um, I guess they lost the bottle of Dittany or whatever they used to, to heal Ron's yeah. arm. They can't heal Dobby's wound. I don't know. Maybe it's it's too fatal. I don't Probably. Know. I don't know. Or maybe they, like I said, maybe they lost her bag or something. Maybe it's at the, the Malfoy's mansion. I don't know. Yeah. Um. You're not supposed to think about it. Uh, that's that's a through line of most of these these <laughs> Harry Potter movies. Is don't think about the small details, which brings me to my worst thing: is 
their handling of all the small details. Like, there are so many things that are not properly brought up and explained. Yes. Um, There's just tons of stuff that falls through the cracks. And it's weird because a lot of people's complaint with this movie is, oh, it's the boring one where they walk around in the woods a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't have any problems with that stuff, but I do when it comes to, oh, we should have talked about this other stuff more. Yes. I don't know, but like in terms of like the film's pacing and, and just keeping up this this depressing vibe, I feel like all that stuff um, is pretty well handled. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to complain too much about oh they're in the woods too long. This movie's boring. That's not that's not where I'm coming from <laughs> with this. But um, I agree. And like I, think I that's said, a strange complaint. No, I'm just gonna jump. Well, people have that complaint about the book, yeah, right? Yeah, I was gonna say I think that's a strange complaint about to lob at either of these because it's kind of like. There's some transitionary exposition stuff where it's kind of like talking, oh yeah, they're they're you know they're wandering through the woods. Like it's it's never more than like a couple paragraphs at a time, and then a scene happens. Like stuff actually happens. So I mean, it's it's not like I mean, it's as much as I love you know Lord of the Rings. It's it's not Tolkien we're talking about of them describing them wandering over marshlands for a chapter. It's it's. Which is why I have not read Lord of the yeah, Rings yeah. and I am reading Harry Potter again. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm saying is that it's and which not... is why I will not be reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's not boring or heavy or anything. I mean, it's it's it they get it gets it goes by pretty quickly. I mean, there's constantly interesting stuff, um, and the movie does a good job of knowing that it's not going to be able to tackle all of that interesting stuff, and therefore just getting to the action and or the. Not so much the action, but getting to the the important emotional beats, uh, even if they kind of come up in a different way or, or modify them. And I, I think overall this movie is more in line with like the fourth and fifth than it is necessarily with maybe the the third or, um, I complain about the second and of course the sixth, uh, where all of those we had problems with stuff getting left out. This movie I think does a generally better job of knowing there's a lot of stuff we're not even going to come close to being able to cover because there's just so much in the movie which is not to say that there is stuff that should have been kept in but or there isn't stuff that should have been kept in um but yeah we'll we'll get into all that um i don't know if i should just go ahead and list off a couple of examples sure uh, or i don't know um well, first off, I think the the biggest, most obvious one is uh, Aberforth's mirror. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, Harry suddenly has that for some reason, and they they don't bother to explain it. Yeah, and Cause... it's like you spent half the the pre and, and a lot of the stuff falls on the last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's but the considering they decided to split this up into two movies, you should have realized after you submitted that script, oh. We need to pick up a lot of of stuff yes. with with Deathly Hallows Part One. Yes. Um. So, like Aberforth's mirror, how how does he get that in the book? Is it uh, how, Sirius how does he come gives it to that? him in the fifth book? Um, okay. Which is kind of another problem I have with the fifth book that it never really addresses the fact that Harry doesn't try and contact Sirius with it and whatever. Yeah. Um. But well, it's just kind of weird in this one because he just has it and he never talks to anyone about it. Yes. And it's and like every scene where he's looking at it, looking at it, it goes by so quick. Half the time, I'm like, "There's a bearded guy." Am yeah. I? Am I supposed to think it's Dumbledore? Because yeah, it doesn't it doesn't quite look like him. That first scene is bizarre, where it's he sees it and it's like, "Oh, 
did, was that he's not reacting to it what's, what's yeah what's that about what and like he never talks to hermione or ron about it so yeah and then he carries it around with them and like specifically is like pulling it out i don't know I almost feel like it sh- it shouldn't be in the movie. Yep. I feel like you can find a way to have Dobby show yep. up and save them at Malfoy Manor without needing that. I agree. It's, it's very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, there's a lot of weird... I, I mentioned, I've mentioned this in prior episodes. There's weird things where it's retconning to things that happened in the books but did not actually happen here. Yeah. So, what are we doing? Um keep keep track of your own cinematic continuity um when lupin's interrogating harry to see if he's an imposter he's like what's the thing that was in my office the first time harry potter potter visited me um and the answer is a grindy low that's a scene in the book that is not in the movie Mm -hmm. it's the strangest thing and another another quick example uh I might. I, I don't know if I want to go through my complete list. I might just randomly start bring, bringing this stuff up throughout the episode. Um, but Dobby, when he first sees them again, when uh, him and Creature have captured Mundungus, we'll have to talk about Mundungus. Mm-hmm. Um, Dobby says, "Oh, Miss Master Weasley, it's nice to see you again." They haven't met in the movies. Yep. Dobby and Ron have shared absolutely no screen time. Yep. And sure, you you can tell me, hey, that's a small nitpicky thing. That's a very small moment in this movie. This movie's two and a half hours. That's like three seconds. Get over it. And that'd be fine if that was the one time it happened. But it's a consistent pattern of clearly it's systematic. Not it's systematic yeah. through this movie. Of I feel like you didn't even go back and watch the previous movies to keep track of this stuff. You just yes. read the books. Yeah. It's like if every that. time they it's like every time they finished one of the the movies, they just kind of tossed it aside and then read the next book, completely forgot about yeah. what they wrote for the previous movie. It, and it like, feels All like right, they, let's start from scratch. It feels like they are going off of the book each time without looking at the previous movies or books where they're kind of just like, what do we have in this package and how can we turn it into a movie script? Um, yeah. yeah, a little weird. A lot of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we want to just kind of go through the movie? I feel like we could yeah, do that. Um, um, I, I love the opening montage. I think that's, yes. that's very well handled. Um, is it established in the book that Hermione, like, mind wipes her yep. parents? That's dark. Yep. It's not, it's established, but it's not shown, which is a nice, it's, it's yeah. nice to show us that. Uh, I think that's a powerful Well, it's, it's nice, it's nice for them to show it, and then they don't have a scene where she like dramatically lays it out and she starts sobbing or whatever. Mm-hmm. There, there's a very subtle moment where she's like, when, when they're sitting there yes. in the forest and she's like, my parents wouldn't recognize any of this and they wouldn't recognize me for that matter. And then like, it's not addressed again because yes. we don't need to address it yeah. again. That is so well done. Knows. Um, I do kind of regret this, that the fact that we don't get more with, with, uh, Dudley and Vernon and Petunia. Um, there is a deleted scene where um, Dudley's like, why, why are we leaving? And Vernon's like, we have to go. It's not safe for us. Um, and Dudley's like, but what about him? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harry goes, oh, it's fine. I'm a waste of space. Remember? Isn't that right, Uncle Vernon? Um, and then Dudley walks up to him and he's like, I don't think you're a waste of space. Yeah. And they shake hands. Mm-hmm. Is that out of the book? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it's straight out of the book. Okay. Yes. That's, that's why it's I so would great. imagine most However, deleted scenes for these movies are 
stuff from the book that didn't get into the movie. Well, the thing is, in terms of the pacing of this, there's no way you can get that to work effectively yes. in this montage. Yeah, in that um, montage. I mean, you could you could always just have it be have it open with Hermione doing that because Ron doesn't really have much of like a. Ron's just awkwardly standing yeah. out in front of the new borough. Yeah, it's kind of it's like, like, what are you okay, doing? You, I see what you're going for. You probably could have done this differently. Um, also, we have a new borough because remember how Bellatrix burned it down in the last yeah. one? <laughs> in the dumbest scene ever? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember watching the sixth movie in theaters and being like, oh, this is like a nice like uh, build up to the, the big finale. And then the movie just ended. And I was like, oh. Yep. I guess not. Anyway. There was no danger at all. We spent enough time talking about that movie. Um, um but I, I really I really yep. like that opening well montage done. quite a bit. Um uh, the then op- we then we cut to all the stuff with Snape going in and talking to Voldemort mm-hmm. and all of them with the teacher being hung in the air. Yes. And it's just kinda weird that it's nobody that we've ever seen. That's kinda I mean, strange. Yeah. I mean, they established that she, she's the 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 Muggle studies teacher. Yeah, but it, it's just weird that we. It's not even like somebody that's been in the background. Yeah, like somebody that's always been sitting at the, at the table. In, I mean, in, the in, book is played where where from our perspective we never like the books are played where we never see her either. So it's like you can argue that I mean, and that or scene, she could be there. They just don't talk about her. Yeah, yeah. But that scene is done well where. Um, the, I feel like the overall pre- presentation of of kind of what needs to be done the the, the part where he steals or not steals but he takes Malfoy's wand and he snaps yeah. off the end I think that's pretty effective. The uh, metaphor, yeah, it's it's all it's all pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, I I just love Lucius when he's like, my lord, <laughs> it's like he's so like, <laughs> and then and Voldemort mocks me. He's like, my lord, yeah, yeah, I require your wand. <laughs> It's great. Mm-hmm. Although, once again, I think I talked about this in Order of the Phoenix when uh, Bellatrix shoots her death spell at, at Sirius, mm-hmm. and there's like a weird timing with her saying this, the curse and mm-hmm. it actually going off. There's another weird thing yeah. where I noticed Voldemort starts to say Avada Kedavra and it cuts off halfway as the, the curse goes. I'm like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that that's a weird nitpicky thing, but it's it's very strange. A little bit um, of weird editing. I do have a question about that, um, and I think this is clarified in the in the book because they actually say when Harry's birthday is. Uh, does Snape screw them over? Because there's an argument yes. between Snape and the other guy about when yes. they're going to be moving Harry. Snape is right. Snape. Snape is right. Yeah, they go off Snape's. Snape's. Why does he screw them over? I don't know. I mean, I've I've only read up. I should I should just have this. I've only read up to a little a few chapters past Dobby's death. So I okay because I was like I want to I want to be good for this movie, but I didn't have enough time to completely finish it. So well, I um, just thought that was strange that in the movie we don't actually know when yeah. uh, Harry's birthday is, so we don't know if Voldemort takes his advice or not. Yeah, true. So it's like. I guess that feeds into his ambiguous nature. I guess maybe that's actually an improvement. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know I what think to that's make of very it. Much, uh, very much a mistake 
on the movie, the part of the movie. I mean, yeah, kind of probably. forgetting that that information is not. Like, well, the problem is in the in the movies they've established like Harry goes to school the day after his birthday, and that's not actually how it is. Yeah, in in the books, yeah, there's like a couple of weeks at least in between. There's like a month so. in between. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then we cut to Harry, um, and he's waiting on everybody to show up to transport him. Um, and we see the the Dumbledore remembered article. Mm-hmm. Do we do we want to go ahead and just talk about all the Dumbledore stuff? Um, because I think once again that's very poorly handled. Yeah, I don't know why they don't gut everything. Um, yeah, because it's they just need like, to oh, Dumbledore's over. ambiguous. Did Harry really know Dumbledore as he actually was? And then you get to the next one, and the only time that's brought up is when he's talking to Aberforth, and, he's, and Aberforth's like, you don't know what happened with him and my sister, and, and Harry's so she like, is I mentioned. don't care. Yeah. Okay. Because they have her painting there. Okay. But Harry's oh, like, I don't care what happened between you and your brother. And that's a very nice moment, because he's like, I, I have to focus on, on the, the topic at hand. Yeah. Um, um, but it, it's just very strange that... I feel like that's not fleshed out nearly enough. No. And it's the same thing with James Potter being an ambiguous character where it's like, we don't get any sort of cathartic moment where Harry overcomes that or Or somebody talks to him about it. Yeah. 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 Um, And it's the same exact, like when, when Harry dies and talks to Dumbledore and once again, this is kind of a weird thing splitting these two up. Maybe we should have done this in like one mega sized review. Um, But when he talks to Dumbledore, there's no moment where he's like, what happened between you and your, your family? Like, there, there's nothing. Yep. Yep. Um, like, I don't think it's even really established what happens between him and Grindelwald in exactly. the movies at all. It's just like, Grindelwald's a guy. Oh, no, no. They, it's, don't, it's... they don't even establish that he's, he's like Wizard Hitler. Yeah. They, they don't, they, he's just a guy. Oh, no, no, yeah. It's, 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 it's bad. <laughs> also, I find it amusing that the young... Grindelwald that we see in the flashbacks he's an actor that shows up in the Tim Burton uh, Sweeney Todd movie which also happens to star Johnny Depp who plays older Grindelwald it's all connected Fascinating. Warner Brothers is the worst that's correct <laughs> um, at least I think they did Sweeney Todd probably could be wrong so yeah they set up this thing and this is a driving in the book it's a it's a driving aspect of Harry's like what he's feeling because he's constantly like why did Dumbledore give me nothing to work with yeah and he gets to a point where he's just like furious with Dumbledore where he's like screw that guy he sent me on this quest there's not a single moment of doubt in these movies yes in in the book it's just like he is completely like lost faith in Dumbledore where he's like I don't need like what what am I doing here yeah Um, and yeah, that's a whole like through line, and that's I found that super weird too because Hermione shows him that the 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 symbol is on a letter reprinted in Rita Skeeter's book, right? That the the Deathly Hallows symbol, Gr- Grindelwald symbol, um, and that letter is like the thing that breaks Harry's faith in Dumbledore because the letter is talking about how like, uh. Dumbledore wants to, or Dumbledore and Grindelwald are, are discussing how to, and it's specifically Dumbledore writing it, discussing how to, uh, or why it's okay for them to want to uh, take over the Muggles and like 
establish wizard dominance. Yeah. And it's like this whole thing where it doesn't sound anything like Dumbledore and Harry's like super like thrown off by this because he's like, do I even know this guy? Like what, what the heck is happening? And yeah. they just show the letter there and it's not a big deal at all. Like they have yeah. a lot of the same dialogue in that early conversation at the wedding with Elphias Dodge, I guess, and um, Ron's Aunt Muriel. And they're talking about this. And they, they do a good, a good little job of establishing Godric's Hollow as being where Dumbledore's from and also being where Harry's from, and they kind of set that Hold up on. a little bit. Do we establish that Harry's parents are from Godric's Hollow in the movies prior? I do not Pro- remember that. Probably not, but, you know. <laughs> so the fact that Harry's just like, wait, he lived at Godric's Hollow as well? It's like, wait, do you even know the significance of that? Yeah, I don't know at what point that would have come up in the previous movies. Yeah. Once again, they keep just... Pay attention, people. Pay attention. Um, it's It's really... I get it. Making movies is hard. <laughs> Screenwriting is very difficult. I I have not tried it for because uh, it's very difficult. Um, but you got to be better than that. Yes. If you're getting paid to, like so much money to write these things, yeah. it it's not that hard to keep track of those small details. It's really not. Yeah. yeah. And if you want, pay people on YouTube that are obsessed with this franchise mm-hmm. to take a look. Mm-hmm. Pay them $5, they'll do it. Yep. They'll do it, and then they'll be like, I got to read the new thing, oh my gosh. Yeah. Follow me, like me on Twitter. Um, Yeah. Which is not to make fun of people who would do that, because I think we would both totally do that if we had the opportunity. Like me and follow me on MySpace. <laughs> That's correct. That's <laughs> what all the kids are using these days. <laughs> but yeah, it's... I think so... that's a... That would... <laughs> Never mind. At what point is MySpace going to be too old to make jokes about it? Because that's like... that's what I was going for. <laughs> I was like, what... is that joke dated? <laughs> it's very possible. Um, I feel like that joke was dated five years ago. Yeah. It's like, find me on GeoCities. <laughs> um, Continue. Yeah. So basically, that's a whole through line. Is that? Rita Skeeter's written this biography about Dumbledore. Harry doesn't know what yeah. to believe. It casts aspersions on Dumbledore because it talks about the fact that his his young uh, sister died, and uh, he like doesn't know where that went or like like he doesn't know why that happened. Like Dumbledore, uh, Dumbledore's family apparently like had her kept hidden the entire time. Like something weird was going on, right. and so then they get into. Um, Yeah, like like his stuff, his ties with Grindelwald and everything, and Grindel—they never even established the fact that Grindelwald and Dumbledore apparently had this huge fight, where like this—it's supposed to be like the greatest wizarding duel of all time, where Dumbledore defeats Grindelwald, and that's where he gets the wand, the Elder Wand. Right. And so that's supposed to be... That's why Grindelwald's there, is that it's like, okay, we're tying... I just, I, I just love the moment where Voldemort confronts old Grindelwald, yes. and he's like, where is it? And he's like, you know where it is. It's with Dumbledore. And it's just like... Why did we come to you? Who are you? No, that's... How... <laughs> why... Why is it just like, oh yeah, it's with Dumbledore. Isn't it obvious? It's like... How am I supposed to know Voldemort knows this? Like... Yes who are you no that's so so 
it, th- I it feel ties. Like, I feel like Patrick Starr coming back to his home and yelling, <laughs> "Who are you, people?" Yes. That's oh. that's what I felt like throughout this movie. Yeah, pretty much. And and that's the thing is that like that's that's such a nice cut through through the thematic elements and through the plot elements and the mysteries of like, okay, so we got Grindelwald. He's he's campaigning for wizard dominance over like everything. Uh, there's constant stuff about about house elves and and goblins. Creature is in the book so much more, and they they actually like get creature to like them, and like that turns into a whole thing, and and like it becomes the fact that they befriend creature, and yeah. obviously Dombey shows back up, and then they talk to Grip Hook, and that's that would be more Griff Griff Hook Grip Hook I don't know that would be more in the the next one, but still like all this stuff about the other races, and the fact that like all this has been building where they, it's like they're sort of Harry and Ron and Hermione are sort of establishing a new normal for wizard house elf goblin relations and all that like they they're trying to kind of like be better than their like their their the people who came before them right and that's this whole thematic element and so that's you've got Grindelwald and and that's why like Harry's so disgusted by Dumbledore being associated with those ideas and Grindelwald is there because uh, also, there's the the entire Elder Wand stuff, and so that ties in with the actual plot of the book, and it ties in with the fact that there's doubts on Dumbledore, which is this whole thing of does Harry know what he's doing, and that all kind of comes back to that, and like all of that, he he's central to the book, like Grindelwald being a thing, even though we know basically nothing about him beforehand. Like he's a he's a character that is able to tie together a lot of these different ideas and kind of have a, a core to center around. Could have fooled me. It sort of makes sense. Cut him out of the movie. Like you cut him out completely. You've, you've cut out Spew. You've cut out Hermione's house elf uh, liberation front or whatever. And um, you've you've cut out Dobby for most of this. You cut out Creature and then everything Quidditch since well, sure, uh, Prisoner sure. of Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm saying specifically those elements are like why you would want to keep some of that in. Right at this point, just okay. Throw it I, out. I see where you throw it out. Like, yeah. you, you don't need it. You don't need to have this complicated thing where they get the biography of Dumbledore and then Hermione finds a thing and that's why... And then, like, Voldemort finds... Talks to Gregorovich, who talks to Grindelwald. And you don't even have Crum in it. And Crum is in the book and he's the one who establishes that the Deathly Hallows sign is Grindelwald's sign. There's just all this stuff that you've already cut out. Don't stop halfway. Just take it out. Make the book about the three main characters... Or make the movie, I should say, about the three main characters. Make it about... You know, simplify that plot entirely. Where, like you were saying, have have um, Dobby just like he gets there somehow. Something happens. Jenny sends him. I don't know. Something like that. Um, they, the orderers had me keep an eye on the Malfoys since I know how they yeah, work. Yeah, there you go. You, we're done. Boom. That's all. You we're need. done. Um, you do. Um, you you have Voldemort. He finds Gregorovich. Gregorovich is like. The last per, you know, the wand maker, or whatever. He's like the last person who who I knew to have the wand was Dumbledore. Yeah, goes find Dumbledore. That's all you need. That's all you need. You don't you don't need to overcomplicate this by undercomplicating this. <laughs> um. So back to the first act of this movie. <laughs> um. Then all of our our heroes show up. Uh. Fleur's just there, and it's like, okay, Fleur's there, I guess. Yeah, Fleur shows back up when she was supposed to be, like, a big part of the sixth one, where it's like, oh, she's she's part of, like, she's around the burrow, and that's they, they see her there, and then she shows up uh, at the end of the sixth one, 
Yeah. And and that that's when Bill gets attacked by Fenrir Greypack, which he has the scars in this one, but he's we don't like And it's like, "Oh, I got these scars off a werewolf named uh Fenrir. Hope to pay him back the favor one day." And it's like, "Harry Harry should be like, I know, I know Fenrir Greyback. I <laughs> that, that he was there. I've dueled him, sir." Yeah. When he when he destroyed your family's home <laughs> for some reason, I dueled him. Or something. Why would he you almost, not have Bill? He show almost up? killed your sister. Why would you not have Bill show up at the burrow in that scene in the sixth one? Why would you not have the foresight to be like, "All right, we're I'm sorry. This. I, at, at this <laughs> point, I would cut out him and Floor. I cut out I half these characters. Kingsley Shacklebolt, cool guy. <laughs> he'd be gone. Kingsley gone. Mundungus Fletcher gone. You probably need to keep looping. You could probably axe Tonks. Yep. Like, we just... Cut the fat. Just I'm sick of it. Just <laughs> cut it all. Heck, why do we even need Ron and Hermione? It's That's just insane. Harry and Voldemort. <laughs> Buddy cop movie. They're just playing a game of chess for two and a half hours. But it'll be no, Wizard's no, 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 Chess. No, 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 no. It's a game of Connect Four. <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> And they're just taking... battleship. <laughs> they're just taking so long. It's it's a game of battleship in which you have to get hits to put a piece in the connect forward board. There it's you the old <laughs> Harry Potter and the Deathly Hasbro. Uh, we need T-shirts, people. Work on them. Get, get on that, someone. You and then they bring talking to you they... specifically, listening to this podcast. Oh. He's still talking. Okay. <laughs> so they bring Mundungus Fletcher. Why do they bring Mundungus, Mundungus Fletcher? Is there an person... actual reason no, in the book? No. Well, Mundungus is the person that... So first of all, he's been in the book since, like, the fifth one. He's part of the Order, oh, well, and they mentioned him before pro- that. Oh, he's in the Order? Yes. There's your problem right there. <laughs> he's been around this entire time. And it was once I again. Was, I am Patrick Starr coming to my home. Who are you? People? I was just like, oh yeah, you know, you can just like have him not be in. The, I just assumed they cut him out, but then they bring him back here, and they were like, oh yeah, this is a guy. And it's like, why are you here? What are you, what are you? Because the the purpose is to have him. All right, all right. So let's. I, I'm still shocked by this. What yes, is going on? I have no idea. How far are you in the books? I'm. I'm still. I'm. I'm. I just started the third task on Goblet of Fire. Okay, it's okay. taken me a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I'm, making, I'm, making, I'm slow but steady, okay? <laughs> so yeah, he's in the fifth one. Like you, you see him in the... And I think they mention him before that point, but as just like a, a gag character, but he's in the fifth one, and he's like throughout that. Um, so his purpose in this movie, right? Now that, we've, now that we've managed to avoid having him in the previous two movies, but this time we're like, oh, now I gotta... Because in the previous books, he is like... He actually has been stealing stuff from... Grimald Place. And so that's like, or in this previous book, I should say, because after Sirius dies, he starts stealing stuff. And Harry See, confronts that's, him. That's the thing, because it's so strange how they're like, oh, he's been robbing the house. I'm like, how would he even know this house yes. exists? Yes. Oh, he's in the order. <laughs> he's been there. So, so his purpose in this movie. What is going on? His purpose in this movie is, uh, one, he is there to disappear. So that Mad Eye gets hit, um, instead of him, and so that's how Mad Eye dies. And two, he steals a locket, and then Umbridge steals a locket from him. 
or takes Lockett from him. You can find ways around that. You don't need a new character who, like, you keep the entire background of this character, but then are like, oh, no, it's fine. He's part of this movie. I got nothing. <laughs> that is absurd to me. It really does feel like the part where Bill says where he's like, I, werewolf name a grayback, hope to pay him back. It feels like that's the screenwriter's thinking, oh, we pulled one on him, you know? He was he was supposed to be the last one, but we still got him in there. Aren't we clever? Didn't we pay attention? You thought we were going to forget. <laughs> it's like... I hoped you had forgotten. It's like, I, I turned off the oven. You guys thought I would forget when I left the house. Meanwhile, the house is on fire because, like, they left the fireplace on and, like, I don't know, like, set off some fireworks probably. Like, it's, it's just completely... Yeah. So then we get into the chase scene, and I think it looks pretty terrible. It's not good. Um... I do like the fact that Hagrid is in in Sirius's yes. bike with Harry. There's nice, I, although I'm not sure how I feel about him directly talking about. You know, I was the one to bring you here as a child. It only feels right that I should be taking you away. That yeah. felt a bit much, yeah. um, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, I do want to say really quick the scene with all the all of them transforming into Harrys is pretty fun. Um, yes, the effects look pretty good, and and the, the spin around. <laughs> <It cuts to> <laughs> the... <laughs> Fred and George are like, wow, we're identical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fred and, and George. Like weird bit. It, it's panning across and it cuts to Hermione and it's literally Daniel Radcliffe's face yes. just on top of Emma Watson's yes. body and it's terrifying. Yes. Bill, look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> That's great. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. Um... I don't think a lot of the comedy in this movie works very well, but that was one yes. place where I thought there it are was bits and pieces. That, that um, we need to talk about the the, the uh, ministry scene. I have problems. Okay, I have lots of problems. <laughs> um, I'm sure at this rate we'll get there in an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the chase scene is just it feels too long and too short at the yep. same time. And by that I mean there's too many segments to it. Mm-hmm. There's too many mini set pieces within the overall mm-hmm. chase. But then the like there's so many little set pieces it just goes on forever. Like it's the worst of both worlds. Yes. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I agree. And my problems really don't come in until they're like in muggle traffic. Mm-hmm. They sped up all the footage. That happens a lot. That's another thing I was talking about with the effects. I did not... I didn't notice that until this viewing. No, there's a ton of that. that, that they that, sped up all the Yeah, footage. there's a ton of that throughout this movie, like, in just in random places where it just, like, the effects... Especially in the first half or so, there's a lot of that where the effects are like, oh, that looks not good. Yeah. Well, it, it's just weird because I, I watched some of the... Some more of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and they were talking about that scene, and they were like, yeah, we're we're driving like 30 40 miles an hour in in like live traffic and stuff and i'm going yeah but for a movie that's not fast <laughs> i'm so i like yeah seriously like watch mission impossible tom cruise is driving at like 100 miles an hour <laughs> on a motorcycle i'm like they didn't need to speed up this footage and you know what's weird they they digitally add in a lot of the cars that are yep. around him in those scenes and you can't you can't really tell unless you're actively looking for it whereas this one they're like we need all those cars a- <laughs> actually there for this one and, two minute segment 
It's not even two minutes. It's like thirty seconds yes. that they're, they're they get in the tunnel and there's the like there's too many quick cuts and of course the footage is sped up, which amplifies the problem. Yeah. And there's the weird bit where Harry's like hanging off the edge, and it's like this is just action schlock now. Yep. Like I can't take any of which this all series. of these movies have a problem with. I mean, I think I think yeah. we've established that that like every every one of these movies has this weird problem where they have to take a scene and then just like turn it into something. That's not in this entertaining in the slightest. Except for maybe the fifth one? Yeah. Because the fifth one... Yeah, that's true. I mean, they don't really do a ton of that in the Because they one. cut out tons of the fat that was yes. in the book. Yes, exactly. With, yeah. with the action scenes. Um, God, that fifth one is so restrained mm-hmm. compared to this. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, But yeah, Hedwig shows up and dies. And it's like, we don't even get a real moment to be like, oh, that's... Yep. That's harsh. Mm-hmm. Yet Dobby, like... who's in two of these movies, gets like a full dramatic death scene. Hedwig's just forgotten after this. I will this. say, in the book, uh, Harry gets found. They, they they decide, or the Death Eaters are like, oh, that's Harry, because he uses Expelliarmus on someone, on a Death Eater, rather than using like an actual curse. And right. so all the Death Eaters like fly after him. Um, it works in the book. like it, that's That's all established well, and like it, it makes sense and everything. In the, in the movie, I think it's a much more effective way to have it be like, oh, Hedwig, that must be Harry. That must be the real Harry. Right. I think I think that's a nice a nice streamline, I will say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, it's mainly just the fact that they speed up the footage, um, and then the CGI doesn't look very good, and combining all those elements, mm-hmm. it's just, it does not work very it's well. It's just like, get, get to the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh... But it's, it's it's so strange because I just I don't like sped up footage. I never find it convincing, and you know even like I brought this up before, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the best action movies ever made. I'll grant you that. Half the movie sped up footage and it bothers me every time. Mm-hmm. Well, even that's supposed to be. I think there's a, there's a stylistic choice there. Yes, like that's a that's a very specific choice. Whereas here it's just like, oh. It's not fast we have, enough. We, we're having them drive 30 to 40 miles an hour. That's not actually fast enough for the sake of an action scene in a movie. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It's so weird that this... Like, an action kind of heavy franchise is so terrible with its action most well, of the time. Well, it shouldn't be action heavy. And it, I, I don't think it is. <laughs> like... Yeah. I don't think at any point this franchise could really be labeled action, but for some reason they keep trying to kind of like push it like they like people come to see the the fun action scenes and not the characters and the story. I feel like that scene in particular should have just a very, very specific, um, terrifying chase scene that lasted like a couple minutes. Yes. Like it's a quick thing, but it's terrifying. Yeah. And I think they get there like when it starts when they they, they like yeah, burst yeah, they, through they the clouds and it's just like yeah. there's just like this monstrosity Chaos. of a battle going on mm-hmm. I'm like oh that's kind of working and then they just fly away and I'm like oh it's not interesting anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should talk about the ring horcrux because mm-hmm. um, I think at this point like Harry shows up and the, you know Mad Eye's dead uh, Fred has a hole in his ear and he calls himself holy yep. ha 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 um, 
and then Harry has another dream. Um, the ring Horcrux is so poorly established. It, okay, first off, is it a Horcrux? Yes. The it's idea, also the Resurrection Stone. The idea is that Voldemort... Explain this to the me. Idea, so, remember that sixth movie that's terrible? Um, the, no, the idea I've, I've, is I've that, already... I, I bought a million-dollar neuralizer just to wipe that movie from my mind. That's fair. This isn't going to make very much sense to you, just like it wouldn't have made sense when you watched the movie. So I love how you accepted, number one, that a neuralizer would cost a million dollars, <laughs> and number two, the neuralizers are real. Correct. I have a guy. Um... <laughs> so in the sixth movie which we did not get um, it's established that Voldemort's grandfather on his witch wizard side uh, has that ring and that ring has the the elder the, the Deathly Hallows symbol and it's established late, and he says this is the Peveril coat of arms um, and it's established later that like in this one it's, it's, it's like oh um the Peverils are the original Deathly Hallows holders, and yeah. so he they're descended from the whichever Peveril it was that had the stone, um, and so that's the idea is that he passed it down, like or somehow they they continued to pass it down through the generations, and they lo- they they did not realize what it actually was in terms of the Deathly Hallow part. Okay, and so then Voldemort goes he kills uh his at that point i think it's now his brothers and this is all established through flashbacks in the half-blood prince book that we never get in the movie um voldemort goes and kills his not his or not kills his brother he somehow gets his his like uncle i guess yeah it would be uncle Uh, his uncle thrown into azkaban for killing a muggle when he actually did it or whatever um i think it's actually for killing his family his like muggle family anyway um, and then he takes the ring from him. And so he turns the ring into a Horcrux because it's like, oh, this is an important heirloom that because that's what he's obsessed with is like these these wizarding uh, artifacts and everything. Like that's what he's trying to turn all those Horcruxes into. And so he's obsessed with that and like that. That's where that comes in. Um, so that's how it's both. And they establish, they, they make a point and it's like uh, if Voldemort had known what he was, what this actually was, he would have, you know, been his mind would have been blown or he would have, he would have freaked out or yeah. like he wouldn't have made a horcrux out of it, all that stuff so it just happens to be that that's the case happens to be without in in so but in a sort of long way came to be because of the fact because the fact that it isn't how is a hallow is the reason that his family still had it and all that stuff because yeah. it's just an ancient heirloom I did not remember that the <laughs> ring is also like the resurrection stone. Yes. And the movie does such a poor job of establishing that. I don't think it even does establish that. I was going to say, does that. the movie even follow that? I didn't even notice it until this time, and I think that's just because I was kind of paying close attention, and I saw the, the Deathly Hallows marks on him. Like, oh my god, that's the resurrection stone. It's in the ring. I did not re- Yeah. I didn't know that. They don't explain it at all in the sixth movie, because... Dumbledore's just like, oh, my hand's all deformed. Yes. I'm not going to tell you why. Yeah. And then it just cuts, and we never address it again. And I don't know what happens to the ring after that, because Dumbledore puts it in the snitch. And when it comes out of the snitch in the next one, it's not in the ring. It's literally just the stone. Mm-hmm. So there's an even further disconnect. Maybe I'm an idiot for not connecting the dots. No. But I never... 
thought they, of that. And I mean, I'll have I've to read watch the books before, but it was a long time ago. So, on since I've watched the movie since then, yeah. I I completely forgot about it. Yeah, that's. I'll have to watch and see what they do because that's such a weird like. Also, Harry know. does not destroy it. What do you mean? He doesn't destroy the resurrection stone. I can't remember if he does in the. Well, isn't it? Isn't it a Horcrux? Well, Voldemort. Sorry, Dumbledore has already destroyed it. How can he destroy it? The stone's still. He's he's there. destroyed the the ring itself. Like Voldemort. So the ring itself is the Horcrux, but it has the stone I, attached I guess, to so, it. So, something along those lines. All right, fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we'll go yeah. with it. Um, not like super clearly explained. Basically, he used Gryffindor's sword to kill the Horcrux. It's also the stone. I guess maybe it doesn't matter that the stone is broken because it's still the resurrection stone. I don't know. Um, I'll see if that comes up again uh, in the book. In the movie, he just drops it in the woods. I remember him destroying it in the book for some reason. I don't think so. I think Harry destroys it, right? I think he also drops it in the woods in the book. Okay. Um, I'll let you know when I get there. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So moving on, I really like the scene where Harry's gonna try and leave and then ron confronts him and ron's like dude this is bigger than you you can't you just be doing voldemort a favor yeah like don't be an idiot i'm like ron speaking some sense mm-hmm. i like it and harry's like yeah i'm kind of an idiot aren't i <laughs> um but then ron has such on the nose dialogue and it's like such lowest common denominator the audience is full of idiots we have to explain exactly what's going on he says to kill the other Horcruxes, we have to find them. Where are they? Where do we start? I'm like, Harry Harry already knows this. Why? Like, <laughs> you're just saying that for the audience's benefit. Yep. That, that... And, and the weird thing is it almost comes off as ADR because Ron's back is turned. So I can't tell if he's actually saying that in the scene or if they yep. recorded that afterwards. Um, yeah, that that was strange. Um, so another line of dialogue that bothers me, zip me up, will you? <laughs> um, that's kind of the last of the really, really terrible Ginny stuff in these movies. Um, because they immediately start to have a conversation after that. And then it's Fred an sneaks up on them. And it's, yeah. That like, um, actual people Where, where she's like, it's kind of silly us, you know, dressing up for a wedding. And, and Harry's like, well, maybe, you know, with everything that's going on, maybe that's the exact reason that we need to have a wedding. Um, it's a nice little moment, uh, and then Fred shows up and who? Who's what? Bill? Who's Mundungus Fletcher? <laughs> oh, that's that's gonna bother me endlessly. That that they don't say even once that he's in the order. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Every single other person there has been a stat. Whatever, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's not it's fine. Not, but but it's fine. we're we're moving on. Yes. Um. And then we cut to the wedding scene. Well, not even that. We cut to uh, our our good friend Bill Nye. Right, you're you're is crossing the, is too. The... You're you're going too fast over George. Uh, George stepping into the kitchen while he while Harry and Ginny well, we already are, talked about are right? snogging. Or was that before? I think that was beforehand. George okay. walks in and he's got his. If not, it bears repeating because George walks in. And he's got a cup, and he's he's got like the bandage around his head, and he's got a he's got he sticks a fork in it. <laughs> And he's got a, he's got a cuff, and he's he's just sitting there, he's got and he's a fork he's sticking waiting, out of his ear. He's waiting for the perfect comedic timing, and he gives it like a good ten seconds, maybe not quite that, but just just enough time. And then he's like, "Morning," and then everyone, or Jenny and Harry, both just look at him like, "Ah," 
and then Harry just awkwardly backs out of the room, and it's yeah. cringeworthy, and I love it. And Fred's just like, I'm happy with all of this. <laughs> yes. Um, but then our good old pal Bill Nye is the new Minister of Magic shows. You up, mentioned previously that that was going to be, or that was really distracting to you, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, I, I, I feel like that's probably not going to be too bad. It's, it's pretty. The, the problem with okay, so it's, it's not just me. Yes, the problem okay. is that this character Ru- Rufus is supposed to be like a lion. He's supposed to, that's supposed to be like his, his description, and so he's supposed to have the big flowing hair. That's so distracting when you put it on Bill Nye because he's such a di- I, uh, like a distinct face that yeah. it looks so much like a wig, like it's just so. Well, for me, it's not so it's much that. Comical. It's more just his speech pattern. Right, right, Bill right. Nye has a very specific speech. I mean, pattern. he is like that. It, it's mostly just the opening scene where he's talking to like the reporters and everything. Yeah. And I, I I quoted this before when he goes, "Your ministry remains strong." Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I agree I'm with like, that too. That's that's Davy Jones. Like yeah. what? It, <laughs> it's the whole package. It's just all of, yeah. all of that is just an odd choice. <laughs> yeah. It and it's very strange it, considering every other casting has been pretty much on point for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's just so weird that they they just like miss the mark completely. Also, having Bill Nye in here for two scenes and then he's dead. I don't remember <laughs> uh, remember that terrible movie Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince? No. So uh, there's a scene in there. Uh, you you may you may remember that there is a scene where they uh, they attack the burrow the, the Death Eaters attack the burrow. Uh, you, you may I'm just not. It sure. It looks like this is going to be another two hour discussion. So um, there's a scene oh there where, where Rufus uh, he he shows up. And he's like, hey hey Harry buddy pal, uh, you know you you you're, you're doing a good job here. We're, you know, and we're we're all behind you. You you wanna you wanna say some good stuff about the uh, the ministry? Maybe maybe for the Daily Prophet. You know, get your get the word out, say, show you support us or whatever. And Harry's like, you, do you remember? Do you remember Stan Shunpike from the Night Bus and the the? I don't know if they established this in the last movie. I don't think they do, and I'm pretty sure they don't. Um, but Stan Shunpike, the 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 he is not brought up after the third yes, movie. The 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 nerdy. Um, Freckly, not Freckly. What's what's the pimply? Pimply, uh, the pimply kid from acne ridden yes, from the the night bus, uh, pockmarked um, <laughs> from the night bus, uh, is has been arrested and sent to Azkaban, and the sixth one because he he like claimed to be a Death Eater, and I think eventually it comes out that he was actually under the Imperius curse, but like Harry was like, this dude's clearly not a Death Eater. Why did you arrest him? And so. Harry's like, well, I'm I'm not going to support you because I don't like the things you do, like arresting this this idiot teenager and yeah. trying to make make it out like that's a big deal or like that's a big victory. And then Rufus is like, and then Harry just like tells him off, and then he's like, Rufus is like, you're Dumbledore's man through and through. I see. And Harry's like, yep. And and so it's you know that's establishing that character. There's also a scene in that terrible movie, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, that isn't included. There, or there's a scene in the book, I should say, that isn't included in the terrible movie Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. Uh, that is the opening scene of the the book, in fact, where uh, both Cornelius Fudge and Rufus uh, meet the Muggle Prime Minister, so that they can explain kind of what's going on. And so that's where we first get introduced to this guy, and then he shows up again to reinforce kind of who he is and the fact that he's not necessarily a terrible guy, but Harry is completely against him because he's kind of trying to care more about the the perception than than actually like accomplishing anything like he's he's not 
so that's the whole thing. And so by the time he shows up in this one, we're like, ah, oh, this guy again. And when he shows up in the book, he's like, hey, uh, like everyone's just generally like, oh, we don't like you. And then he shows up and he's like, hey, uh, I'm I'm here to uh, yell at you for like Dumbledore leaving you stuff. Yeah. And that's not that doesn't really come across in the movie. The movie is just kind of like the Minister of Magic is here to give you stuff. I guess. Like he couldn't have sent somebody else. What what's happening? Like it, at it's, this it's not... point, I kind of wish they just had those objects, and it's just like <laughs> we just start the movie with them because yeah. who cares? Starting classes, you know. It can't even handle giving them these objects correctly. Yes. Am I starting to bring down your your feelings on this you movie are. a bit? You are okay. in a fun way. <laughs> In a not Harry Potter yes. and the Half Blood Prince way. <laughs> yes. Um, so then we get the wedding scene, and we we get to see Luna again, and we see her father. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the father, just because it's uh, Reese Efons, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he's the lizard in the Amazing Spider-Man. Ah. And he just comes off as just a creep, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of got a sinister presence. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just like the the xenophilious love good that I picture in my head is just well, kind of like a quiet, nice, weird guy. And that was something that too that the moment that his scene comes up later in the movie where where they go to him and is at his house and he's trying to stall them for the Death Eaters. Um, yeah, that's the thing where like you don't really think there's something wrong. I mean, there there's little hints, I guess, but it's not until they figure out, oh hey, we think something's wrong. Because like that, I think it's like Harry goes up to Luna's room and he sees that there's like dust everywhere and like it seems like it hasn't been lived in in, in months, um, and he's like, oh, something seems wrong here. And so then that's finally like kind of what. Tips oh, him you off. mean it's like it's like a mystery? Yes. Where where like there's suspense and intrigue, and I want to know what's going on. There was on, something you mentioned, and I'm not just shouting, "Who are you, people?" over and over <laughs> again. There was something you mentioned. I I want to say maybe in like the second movie, even all the way back, um, where you talked about that the characters were not being proactive in the movies. Mm-hmm. They're being very like, oh, we're just riding along the plot. And that's something that I think really gets lost in this one, where they're, the, the characters are on a quest to do something, and they're constantly trying to think over the clues they have and figure out what's going on. Uh, and the, the movie just loses a lot of that, and the characters just seem to kind of have things happen to them uh, without ever figuring out why. Yeah. And it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um... So yeah, then then the wedding gets attacked. That's all pretty well done, I think. Um, yeah. Then they go to London, and they have the brief fight with the Death Eaters in, which, in the cafe or whatever, which is once again we're having non remember that ex- terrible non movie, Harry fun action scenes where it's just they create small explosions. There's not actually any creativity to the you know the the spells or anything. Remember that terrible movie, Harry Potter and the Half or sorry, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. I messed up the joke. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, there's a bit where when Ron comes back, so so the, throughout the throughout the book... Do you remember that really terrible movie, Star Wars, <laughs> The Last Jedi? Throughout the book... Um, it was so washed out. Correct. Just, <laughs> that movie's gorgeous. so good. <laughs> what am I saying? There, there's... So, so throughout the book... Except for Canto um, Bite. Yep. 
they say Kanto bite can bite me. Ah, I did the thing. So throughout the book, there's this thing <laughs> where uh, Ron keeps telling them, "Hey, don't say Voldemort's name," like you, because because he's never really gotten over that. He's never really gotten over that hurdle. He was raised as a wizard, and so that's that's always been something that he doesn't like. And so they say his name at the restaurant that they're eating at. And that's how yeah. the Death Eaters find them, because when Ron comes back later, after he sort of trained them not to say Voldemort's name, like they finally give in, they're like, fine, we'll stop saying his name. He's trained them to do that, and so then when he comes back, he's like, don't say his name. They've actually cursed it to where anybody who says his name, it's a taboo, uh, where anybody who says his name will be, um, or they can find them, like they can trace that. Right. And so Harry later says his name, and that's how the Snatchers find him find them all uh, to take them back to Malfoy's, the Malfoy's mansion. Um, yeah. And this is just like, yeah, the Death Eaters found him. What are you going to do? It happens. Yeah, that, that's kind of weird. They just escape mm-hmm. the Love Goods house, and it's like, oh, Snatchers are there now. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the forests of Great Britain are very small. Okay. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of room to maneuver. Is Great Britain itself very... Does it have one diner? Is that... I like to imagine it's just our good old pal Britain with a a t-shirt of a forest. And he's like, this is... This is it. (laughs) This is... This is it. (laughs) Um, So then... They go to Sirius's house. Because that's the only place they can hide. Uh... And they figure out that Regulus, yes. Sirius's brother, is the one that originally had yes. the necklace. Who's Regulus? They why do, do, why do I care? He's in the he's in the last one. He's mentioned barely. <laughs> he is technically mentioned. Slughorn mentions they, him they once. They actually focus in on his picture too, which is interesting. Uh, so it's even more passing in the book, where it's just like, oh, okay. But there, there's. There's no explanation. Isn't he like a former Death Eater? Yeah. That's not in these. Oh, there's movies. a whole thing where he ta- they they talk to creature and they like the creatures like oh yeah this is I loved I loved Master Regulus here is his entire backstory for you because you've been waiting to figure this out for you know as long as the sixth book has been out. Um, Give me something. Yeah. Give me a couple of lines. This is just I don't know why Regulus is interested in Voldemort or why he went after the Horcruxes. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know. Yeah. Once again, they drop the small details, and those small details, if you keep dropping enough of them, they pile up. Yep. And I feel like if you're a very passive audience member, you're you're not going to notice this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you just you sit down and you just kind of piece things together, it just starts to really fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so they run into Creature. Creature grabs uh, Mundungus. Mundungus is like, hey, uh, Umbridge took the necklace for some reason. Um, so then they decide to disguise themselves as different ministry people and they go in to try and find it. Um, I don't like this scene. Oh. Do tell. Mostly because it's too comedic. Sure. I feel at this point the movie's established a serious enough tone, mm-hmm. um, a serious black enough tone, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, but then I don't feel like the actors that are playing Harry, Ron, and Hermione, like yeah. their disguises, I don't feel like they do a very good job emulating the actors. Uh, 
like if you watch the actress playing Hermione, like she's got the same expression on her face. And there's a very weird moment where um, Ron gets threatened. He's like, you know, I've got your wife down there. So if if your boss needed you to do something, I'd go ahead and I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then Ron's like, oh my god, my wife, what's going to happen to her? And you would imagine, you know, Hermione being Hermione, she'd give him like a very scathing, like, are you serious look? Are you serious yeah. black look? Um, and she even does that later when, she's, when he kisses uh, the guy's wife. Like you, there's a shot where Hermione's giving him like a very scathing look. Yeah, and like this, this lady's doing nothing. Like she's not, yeah, reacting at all. It's mm-hmm. very strange. True. Um. And then there's the whole there's a constant gag with the guy who's playing Harry, where it's like he can't walk properly. Yeah. I and really I get it. It's it's like it. he's oversized. Like he's not used to that body, so he's uncomfortable moving around in it. Yeah. But number one. We had them dress up as Crab and Goyle, and they didn't have that problem, so that's just something we should ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it's played up too much as comedic gags. Yes. The guy's not that um, big, like it, compared to like Ron's. The guy, yeah. Ron, like it's not. It's odd. It's very it, like like the movie just stops to have like five minutes of slapstick almost. Yeah. And they're like, there's the whole bit where they they go through the toilet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. It's funny, I guess, but it just feels like way too much. Yeah. Um. But then they go downstairs and confront Umbridge, and it's actually pretty serious and exciting. Yeah. Uh, Except they they use the "I must not tell lies" thing again. I I I I brought that up a couple episodes ago, so I was right about that. Yeah, but but that's I thought that was odd because I was like, y- you got your moment, you don't. You had it in the fifth one. You shouldn't do it yeah, again. Yeah, don't. You're, you're fine. Don't. Also, I like the nice subtle detail like, of Umbridge constantly having her cat Patronus at the side to keep the Dementors yeah. at bay. That's a very nice subtle detail. From the book. Of, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, but I like the second half. of the, I like once they're actually trying to escape and they're running away and the guy's attacking them in the middle of the crowd and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like, I like all that. It's mostly just the comedic slapstick beforehand because I think that's just too much for this movie. Yeah. Um, then what happens after that? They they, they wander the woods at, at this point and it's yeah. just... Ron gets splinched. It's, just like, it's a single montage where they, they... Or I guess first they figure out the necklace like when you wear it it starts to like wear you down and make you just angry at everything um so there's a montage where it's like ron thinks that harry and hermione are into each other and he's just like all of his worst insecurities are feeding on him there's a nice voiceover where um we just get a list of people who are dead or missing or whatever well i like i like the bit where where harry's like um what's he expecting good news and Hermione goes I think he's just hoping he doesn't hear bad news that's nice Mm -hmm. um and then Ron freaks out and he's like I'm leaving Uh (laughs) because Dumbledore has given us nothing to go on and Harry should be like you know you're kind of right I'm not going to quit but you're kind (laughs) of right um also I have a couple questions um and maybe I should be asking these in the next episode but I I feel like I should go ahead and bring them up otherwise I might forget Mm -hmm. Why does Dumbledore not explain, number one, what the Deathly Hallows are? Like, he just leaves this this kid's book for Hermione and like, figure it out. Um, well, not necessarily th- what they are. The fact that they're real yes. and they're not just children's Which is a stories. point we'll talk about when we talk about Xenophilias. Okay. Thing. 
I need um, to talk about. And also that the sword of Gryffindor can destroy Horcruxes. Yep. I don't, I was actually trying to remember that. I need to I need to look through the book and find that. I might do that. Are there explanations for these things? The thing about the sword of Gryffindor. All right, I got I, I got the book right here. I got to see if I can hunt it down. Because <laughs> it, it 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 does end up feeling like one of those things where it's like Dumbledore has this intricate master plan that he's been playing since the beginning, yeah. but it there's a lot of different variables he did not account for or take care of, and it's like oh, it just happened to turn out because hey, the good guys have to win. Yeah. Um, the sword, I think, is... I don't think it's explained the same way. I don't think it's like, oh... Hold on. This is exciting reading. You can continue to just rant about other things if you'd like while I try and find this. Okay. <laughs> I really love the scene where Ron leaves, uh, like, him and Harry yelling at each other. And then they get into, like, a brief scuffle, but it's just kind of them shoving each other. It's not even like, oh, he punched me, or like... The, the the moment in Spider-Man 3 where Peter Parker slaps Mary Jane, it's not even anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like they push e- they shove each other for three seconds. Yeah. Um, so I found that kind of amusing. Uh, and then Harry and Hermione are like, we should go to Godric's Hollow because we need to figure out something. Um, and so, well, also we established that you know, the the snitch has the flesh memories and it's like I open at the close yeah um which is interesting uh, I like I I find that fascinating how that pays off mm-hmm. um but then they go to Godric Hollow they there's a nice moment where it's like it's Christmas and they hear people singing inside the church and then they go and visit uh Harry's parents graves and Hermione sees one of the the Peveril brothers one of their graves it's a very nice moment I, I like all that stuff mm-hmm. Um, but then they run into old lady who's actually a snake, yes. and then I get very confused. Um, what did you find? I found nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I'll need to wait and see about the Deathly Hallows. That was thing. as emotionally fulfilling as Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. I believe it. Uh, I know that I know it's not handled. I don't think it's handled exactly the same way. Um, as far as the Basilisk Venom goes, being on the sword and everything. Yeah. Well, because it's like, it works as a moment where it's like Hermione and Harry figure out something. Okay, that's fine. But when you're thinking about the broad strokes of it in terms of, Dumbledore could have told them this very obvious fact. Yeah. Or at least in his view it's obvious because he knows it. Um, Oh, Tyler's continuing to look in the book. book. I will will move forward. I did want to mention something real quick too about, well... Actually, yeah, continue forward, because we haven't gotten there yet. It's Bethilda Bagshot, right? Yes. Isn't that the old lady? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so there's just, just this weird scene where they go into her house, and Harry follows her upstairs. Uh, and then she turns into a snake and starts to attack him. And there's a weird edit where suddenly her, Harry just has a chair in his hand. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to hold off a lion or something. And it's it's just a goofy image to me. Um Hermione's downstairs and she opens the door and there's like blood and I assume that's like the dead carcass of or whatever yep. that's left of Bethilda Bagshot. I'm like 15 minutes ago we were awkwardly walking through uh, the Ministry of Magic. I don't know. Uh, I do have a question about this scene where, where Harry fights Nagini. 
Um, but do, do you want to tell us your revelations? Well, you looked like you had an aha moment. Sort of. There, there's a whole thing I forgot about where where Griffin. And I'm talking like a take on me aha moment. You, you know what I mean? Um, yes. Oh, we're we're walking. <laughs> it's like, are you accepting the joke or not? There's a moment where Grip Hook, um, and it's Grip Hook, it's Ted Tonks, so Tonks's father, who is actually, there's a whole thing where she is, um, because remember, Harry goes to, yes. Once again, who are you Well, there's a whole thing where Harry goes to Tonks's parents' house instead. I remember that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's supposed to be like seven different safe houses, and that's where they end up going. Um, works fine in the movie, I guess. Uh, yeah. And so that's, they establish him there. And then it turns out later that he's on the run, uh, with Grip Hook and another goblin. And, um, Dean Thomas is there. Dean Thomas is actually there at the Malfoy Manor. Like he's been captured by the same statues and everything. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, and another guy who's been kind of like set up momentarily beforehand. And they're talking. They they find they they're they're it is kind of a thing where you're talking about with ah Brit, Brit, Britain's forests are or forests forests are just small. Um, but there's another thing where they they find them like like Harry and Hermione and maybe Ron. I think no, I think it's just Harry and Hermione at this point. It's it's all three of them because this is actually leads to the argument where Ron leaves because we find out that Ginny and Neville and Luna tried to steal a sword from Snape's office. Um, from like just them, the 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 five these five people talking around the campfire without realizing that Harry and Hermione and Ron are listening. And then uh, they that's when the goblins are like, "This sword is a fake, by the way. The sword that they or they after after that happened, Snape sent the sword to go to, um, Bellatrix Lestrange's uh, vault. But then the goblins are like, "We inspected the sword and we were leaving." So once again, there's an explanation for why it's in Bellatrix's vault. Yes, and well, and they're specifically like it. They they realized the goblins saw it was a fake, but then they put they were like, we don't like Voldemort, we don't like wizards. We're gonna pretend that is such a we're gonna fake it. Such a strange moment where Bellatrix is freaking out. She's like, why is that sword yep. not in my vault? Yep. I'm like, why not would it be in your vault? And then it and we God, this movie sucks. And the audience, it's not it's not Deathly or Half Blood yeah. Prince bad, but this movie's not good. Which is the thing is when you read that scene as the audience in the book, you you're in the know when you're like, lol, she's freaking out because yeah. they have the real sword. She doesn't know why it's there. She doesn't realize she's got a fake in her vault. Then there's a whole thing where they hear Grip Hook, they hear them saying, "Go get the Goblin from the the dungeon so that he can inspect this sword." And so Harry tells him before they come to get the goblin, they tell him, hey, tell them it's a fake, please. And he does. So he's like, oh, yeah. this sword's a fake. You're fine. And that's why Bellatrix then calls Voldemort or whoever it is. In the, in the movie, they just kind of like drop the her fears. She's like, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. Like it's a weird thing because they're trying to navigate around this p- plot line. Once again... You look at any of these small details in isolation, it's not a big deal. But you keep mounting them up, and it becomes very problematic. Yes. Um, so back to Nagini fighting Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you answered my overall question, though, about why does Dumbledore not tell them. No, I'm still looking. Um, I, 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 I just remember that, and I was like, oh, that's a thing. 
Can you explain this weird moment to me where Nagini, like, throws Harry through a wall and they're, like, in a baby's room? Oh. And it's, like, suddenly, like, super bright? Yeah. Is it supposed to be, like, Harry's baby room where his mom... It makes no sense. The the movie... The book is literally... As far as my book knowledge goes, it's literally... Uh, Nagini shows up. They attack. She she attacks him a couple times. Tries to swipe him with the old tail in the same room, and then Harry and Hermione jump out the window, and then they disappear. And that's it. Seriously, what what is that room? Wow. Like, is it supposed to be a neighbor's room? I don't. I I don't understand. If somebody, <laughs> I know we don't get many comments on these sorts of things, but, but if somebody. Time... If somebody can can explain to me what the point of that baby room was, I, I'd appreciate it greatly. Yeah. So pretty much, we did, the, the next thing that happens is that Harry sees Snape's Patronus, uh, and then he goes and he finds the sword, Spoiler. and he starts to drown because the next necklace tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. But Ron saves him, and then Ron confronts his inner demons and destroys the Horcrux. How does Snape know where Harry is at this point? In order to, number one, put the this, like I'm I'm confused about the logistics of this. So Snape, I guess, put the sword in the lake. Yep. Why? I don't remember. I haven't gone that far. <laughs> Why not just leave it in a bush? Oh. <laughs> a lot of these. And, will make, and keep and notes once again, of these how and we does, can revisit them after after I finish reading them and after we talk about the seventh. And once again, how does Snape know where Harry is? Yeah. I think that's established or explained. I don't... I'm not sure. So just put a pin in that. Okay. <laughs> also, how does the Deluminator work? How does that help Ron come back to find Harry? That makes no sense to me at all. The idea in the book is that they don't actually... Because they're trying to kind of like avoid talking about him, they don't actually say Ron's name until Hermione says Ron's name. And so the idea, I guess, is that once he was separated from them, it would tell them tell him when they were talking about him or thinking about him or whatever and that would guide it i don't know the 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 principles behind that but that is the logic is that they didn't say his name until and they they she sets up jk rowling does sets up bits earlier where harry like avoids saying ron's name like he's he's saying oh yeah um jenny's aunt muriel says this like he he specifically avoids finds a way to work around saying his name because they just don't want to bring him up and so that's supposed to be the the logic behind it is that they don't say his name until he actually like comes to get like find them. Wait, what? Yeah. Explain that to me again. I'm I'm confused. So they don't say Ron's name. Ron is uh, the character played by Rupert Grint. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean they don't say Ron's name? Like like in the scene they don't say no, his name. So it's through, supposed to be from the point when Ron leaves. They okay. don't say his name again until, like, Christmas or whatever, or whatever, like a few days after that. Okay. And when they finally, and when they do say his name, that's when the Deluminator says, like, like speaks to Ron or like, like, says it to him. Yeah. There's probably still holes I can plug into that, sure. but it that but makes it's an explanation. It, that's something. I need something. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. 
Because it, it does feel like that what we talked about, at least with the first couple of Harry Potter movies, where it's just it plays out exactly how it does in the book, except we just skip all the, the little details and the little the things that connect the tissue. Yeah. It's just like things a series of things that just happen. You know? Yeah. It's very strange. Uh although I do like the moment where, where Ron and Hermione sort of see each other again Hermione just immediately goes to attack him and he's like oh yeah why who cares uh, how Ron's doing it's only they destroyed a bloody horcrux like I I liked all that yeah um I don't know for some reason the whole thing about Ron and Hermione getting together and me thinking they're incompatible I still enjoyed them their screen presence together in this one Mm -hmm. uh Although there was that weird moment back at the cafe where, like, Hermione's cut on the cheek, and Ron awkwardly Again, goes in to, like, the, inspect but, it. It's like putting the thumb on the mouth, and there's something on Hermione's mouth, and that comes up, like, twice in the last movie. I don't... Oh, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But then, uh... They're like, we should go visit Xenophilius Lovegood to figure out what what this image is. And, of course, they're talking about the Deathly Hallows. And then they go to visit him, and we get the very wonderfully handled animated short that happens in the middle yeah. of this movie. That's just the story of the Deathly Hallows and the three brothers, and it's awesome. Yeah. Just um, pops up. It's like, all right. That might sec- be my second best thing. Probably is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they get chased by the... the what what are the guys? The Snatchers, right? Yes. Um, then they get captured. Hermione disfigures Harry uh, for a short time. That way they can try and pass him off as not Harry, but then they take him to Malfoy Manor anyway. Um, sorry, just looking through. Oh, oh, I have a, I have a point that I missed. Uh, another thing that just kind of happens. So Harry speaks parcel tongue in order to get the necklace to open that way Ron can hit it okay right how does Harry know that he needs to do that why can't Ron just hit the necklace with the sword wait say that again why how does Harry know that he needs to open it like how how does he know he needs yeah. to speak parcel yeah. tongue and why why can't it just be hey Ron hit the thing with the sword yeah so that's that's sort of the thing of like um the, in the the book, it's specifically the way it's written. It's like Harry says, "All right, once I open this, you're gonna you're gonna have to to kill whatever's inside, right?" Yeah. And um, Ron's like, "How are you gonna open it? We did, we never figured out how to open it." And Harry's yeah. like, "I'm gonna use parcel tongue," and it just hits him. Um, like it like it specifically writes it out as like it, the answer suddenly came to him like he had not been able to. Like it's there. I feel like there's a similar thing with a snitch. I could be forgetting about it. Um, in the movie, it, in it the plays movie, they play it that way. Snitch, with the snitch, yeah, where it's just where he's kind suddenly of like it's oh, floating in front of him, and yeah. then he just has this yeah. realization that does not happen with the necklace. The necklace, he's just like, yeah. I'm gonna open oh, yeah. it with parcel oh, yeah. The tongue. movie is just is literally just like he's gonna open it, and it's like what? And then he opens it, and it's like oh, it was, you you never like basically the point is that the book establishes. It's a problem that they can't open it, and then Harry suddenly has a an, an epiphany when they do need to open it. The movie is just like, I can open it now. Okay. I'm not going to say these books are perfect, 
but at least they set up things and I know what's happening. Yes. <laughs> and if if something is set up and like there's there's clearly a reason for it to be set up. Yeah. Everything is supposed to be connected. Now that I think about it, I I I don't like this movie Tyler. <laughs> the sixth movie might establish or the sixth book, sorry, might be where it establishes that Harry or that that the like Dumble I think Dumbledore might actually tell Harry that the sword of Gryffindor has basilisk venom on it in the sixth book. I'm not certain of that. But I, I was wondering the same thing because I was trying to remember how they figured that out, and I think that that might be it. Let me see if I can find this online. What are we doing here? <laughs> Just what are we doing? I got nothing. It's for you. not that complicated. See Tyler, this is where you awkwardly cut in Avril Lavigne's "Complicated," just just to make matters worse. Sure, sure. Are are you going to keep looking through the book? Should should I continue to Malfoy Manor? No, no, no. So I did I did have some stuff to say about the Deathly Hallows. Okay. Um. I don't remember. I'll, I'll see if I can find this. <laughs> anyway. So. But seriously. At no point does Dumbledore go, hey, the, the Deathly Hallows, the, here's a thing that matters, yes. and they're real. Yes. That's um, strange. So. And I, I feel like that's addressed at the end of the seventh book. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Um. So. The. After the scene with the Deathly Hallows. There is a long extended scene in the book where they are just trying to figure out if these hallows are real. Harry is immediately like, that's got to, like, the, we, this. Oh, you mean they have conversations and they discuss what's going on? And I think that is sort of, now that I think about it, I What a novel idea! Yeah. Um, I feel like that maybe sort of the idea is that Volt, or Dumbledore doesn't really want Harry to use the Deathly Hallows. Like, he's not... He's not trying to guide him to be like, oh, these are how we're going to beat Voldemort, because it's not. And so, that might be something... I don't know. Um, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Anyway, they talk about that. They talk about the fact that, like, hey, Harry's invisibility cloak is perfect. And, like, like they, there's a great little bit where uh, Xenophilius is like... The, the, or ever, they're like, hey... I think Ron's like, hey, the invisibility cloaks, they're, they're a dime a dozen. What are you talking about? They're all over the place. And Xenophilius is like, no, this is a perfect invisibility cloak. It never gets destroyed. It never fades. It's it's always like, it, yeah. you know, curses never hurt it. It's it's amazing. Now, how many cloaks have you heard of like that? And then they all three look at each other and they're like, eh? Because it's, it's Harry's. It's never established that Harry's I is. don't think that Harry's yeah. invisibility cloak yeah. is. Even though that's like a hallow. super cool like like idea. Um, this movie sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> It's not good. And and then... Um, there's just too many things that j just aren't explained and don't make sense. Yes. And there's the... Um, so then they talk about the... They talk about the stone and they're like, no, the stone can't exist. That's ridiculous. Um, and I think Hermione suggests that it's like, it's probably just like an, a, a, a version of the Sorcerer's Stone. Like, that's, that's where they pulled that from. 
You're bringing it's it back. They're, they're bringing yep. back a reference to the yep. first book. And I like it. And then Harry's like, "Well, what about the Elder Wand?" And and they establish that like, well, there is actually all these stories of a giant, not giant, but of a super powerful wand that like wins all battles uh, throughout history under different names, and like it's this long going thing, and people have tried to trace where it went. And so that's established, and that's like a long running thing. And Harry. I think it, the reason that Harry gets captured and the others get captured by the Snatchers is because Harry says Voldemort's looking for the Elder Wand after he has a vision yeah. of Voldemort going to like Grindelwald or something like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. It's play. I don't. I don't remember exactly. It's it's some something along those lines. And so. Yeah. It's it's this whole thing, and like they discuss it, and Hermione is like, "Harry, you're wrong. These things don't exist." And Harry's like, "I'm not wrong. They all exist." this is how we're going to beat Voldemort. And then he sort of over the course of the, the, at least the, the next section of the book, he sort of just decides that that's not what he needs to do. He's like, all right, we need to kill the Horcruxes. Like we need to get back on track here. I feel like in this one, they're, they're either inconsequential or they just accept them as real. Well, there's no real discussion. That's what I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, and could they have gotten away with axing the Deathly Hallows <laughs> from the Deathly Hallows? And just calling it something else. Very possibly. Well, that's what I'm wondering is... We'll just have it be Harry Potter and the Elder Wand and just have it be there's yeah. this wand that Voldemort's after. That would work. And that's that's it. <laughs> like, we, we, like, the Invisibility Cloak, we don't even address it anyways as being one of the Deathly Hallows, so it's just like it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think they use it at all in this one, right? Nope. Yeah, I don't think it's used Even though they constantly this. use it in the book, which is interesting. Um... And then the stone, I mean, it brings back his parents at the end. You could you could come up with some way for that to happen. Yeah. Um Yeah. It's a whole thing. And I was gonna say too, do they actually I feel like the way he defeats Voldemort doesn't really line up with the way the Elder One stuff works. It's either that or they never actually explained the fact that the whole cause is because of this this crazy domino effect where... Because you, know you know why Harry's able to defeat Voldemort when he uses Expelliarmus, right? Do, do you yes. remember this where it's like Dumb, Malfoy defeated Dumbledore and then Harry yeah. stole Malfoy's wand and so that made Harry the owner and then... I, well, Harry I find that strange. It's Harry's the owner of all of Draco's wands from there. The, the logic there is kind of fishy What do you mean me. all, all of Draco's wands? Well, because Harry doesn't grab the Elder Wand from yeah, Draco. Yeah. It's just supposed to be like... I, I I took your one wand, now every single one that you have no, ownership no, no, no. It's, over, it's, I have The idea is that, like, control of. the Elder... Like, just specifically the Elder Wand has very strict... And there's a conversation with Ollivander about this. I don't know if it's in the next movie at all. But there's a long conversation with Ollivander about the Elder Wand and about how that's supposed to work and the fact that, like, it has very strict rules of ownership and once you defeat it, the previous owner... Like you, you become the the. Basically, it always goes to whoever is yeah. the most powerful person, whoever you know, continually defeats yeah. them. Something along those lines. It, it's enough to work. Well, I guess that no, no, I, I'm 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 overthinking it. The fact that Harry disarms Draco yes. is not the reason that he has ownership over the Elder Wand at that point. Because he he still doesn't. Draco has ownership over the Elder Wand because he's the one that disarmed Dumbledore. Um. But then once Harry defeats Voldemort and then gets the wand, then he has ownership over it. Right? No, no, no. That... No, no, no. 
Harry gets ownership of the wand when he when he disarms Draco. Yes. Okay. That's that's uh, that's a little. And that's what I was just talking about. Is an entire conversation with Ollivander that basically plays that out. Literally, like, and it's 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 really neat to read it in the book knowing this because it's literally like Harry just we we have all these people stealing people's wands, and then Ollivander talks about hey wand ownership is pretty important and you should probably pay attention to it because there's strict rules about like depending on the wand it, it will it will go to one person or another depending on how you defeat you know all that stuff and so that's yeah. it's immediately like like lampshaded almost right there if you were paying attention and so that's a whole thing um are you watching yes yes basically because remember no how harry harry is the owner of the elder wand or is the the rightful owner at least when Voldemort has it, and that's how Harry defeats him, is because he uses Expelliarmus at the same time that Voldemort uses Vod and Kedavra or whatever, and instead the wand like flips out. Of, it's I forget how it's played out exactly, but the wand turns on Voldemort basically. It's so poorly handled in, in the that's movie. That's what I'm saying. We don't get any explanation of that in the movie. It happens. He steals Draco's wand, like he 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 defeats Draco and disarms him. I guess is 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 what you what it is, but like. Yeah, we don't actually establish anything about hey, this is how Harry beat him. Instead, there's like the ridiculous Hogwarts. We should we should save that for talking about the second the second part. But um, yeah, I'm worried now. Same. I'm worried after not liking this one very much. How I'm gonna feel about the next Same. one? Because I I I have not liked the the last one very much yes. in my previous viewings. Um, maybe it'll switch. Maybe it will pull a good old Order of the Phoenix. Knock on wood. I doubt it. And that's why I'm knocking on wood. You just see what I did there? But we've um, already had two negatives, so knocking on wood doesn't... So Malfoy Manor... Um, um, I have a couple of questions. Why Why don't the Malfoys and Bellatrix just wait for Harry's face to heal before calling Voldemort? They seem to be in this huge hurry. I don't know. And it's like, y'all, y'all just keep them in your dungeon and relax. Maybe they don't know how long it'll take. They think it's What's permanent. the rush? They're just chilling in the mansion. <laughs> just have a worm tail or whatever. Go make them some soup. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. Also, the whole thing with Wormtail's hand like turning on him—that's all cut. Yep. Oh yeah, I forgot. I, that was so weird. Where where Dobby just like stuns, stuns him or something, him, right? And then it's like, oh, is that is that it? Are we? And then we never see him are again. We done? I'm like, oh, is he? Is he dead at that point? Because it Dobby looks like just Dobby just stuns him. him. Well, he has a reaction. He says, like, ow. Like, he has a little joke before he goes down. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I do love when Dobby shows up. And then Harry's just like, can you teleport us out? And then he's like, yes, sir. I'm an elf. <laughs> you moron. Like, <laughs> you... <laughs> Dobby says Harry Potter is a moron. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like, I like everything with Dobby. I like it. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, the little bit where where Luna's like, "Yes, sir," uh, and or Re "Ready when you are, sir," and he's like, "Oh, I like her." I think that's a. I think that's just a movie quote, and so that's a that's a nice bit. Fun fact: It's almost like voices... David Yates appreciates Luna. Unlike all you hacks, Harry doesn't belong with Hermione. Stop it. Or Ginny. Or Cho Chang. Ginny's fine, but not Hermione. Get get it out of your head. Or Draco. If you're going to have a weird ship that you're committed to, <laughs> even though that's directly against the canon of the books, pick Luna. 2020. Yep. 
<laughs> Harry Luna. Harry Luna. 2020. <laughs> oh boy. Um, no, I did have a question. I completely dropped it though. Um, nope. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember it. Happens. Let's see if it's in my notes real quick. Uh, continue. So, oh yes, I, I have it. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I will um, not continue. The Malfoys clearly recognize it's Ron and Hermione. Yes. They're with this third guy, and Draco only knows the two of them to hang out with Harry Potter. Uh-huh. I feel like it's very easy for him to go, it's, it's, it's Harry. No, no, no. The idea is, that is very much that Draco is like, he wants out. <laughs> Draco is not, like, participating, like... See, I can tell he's scared, but I don't know if that's his yeah. motivation in this. In the movie, that it doesn't come across very well. <laughs> I need to talk about part two, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about it briefly, even uh, though I shouldn't because this is already going way too long. There's a deleted scene where immediately after Harry's alive, Draco runs out in front of Voldemort and sa- shouts, Hey, Potter, and he tosses him a wand, and then he runs like inside Hogwarts with everybody else. Okay. I wish that were in the movie. It's interesting. But in in the final cut, we just get an awkward shot of him and his parents just walking away. Fascinating. I feel like that would have been a very nice way to end Draco's arc, throwing Harry a wand, because he knows this is the only way that this is going to get taken care of. I mean, they don't get too much into what he's thinking at that point in the book either. But it's enough that it kind of hints it's like it's almost like he doesn't really want Voldemort to win. Like the, like the way I, I done. the way I read his his decision to be like I don't know if it's Harry is like he genuinely doesn't no, know if it's yeah. Harry. Not not in terms of I want out. I'm well, not going to Well they turn they very in. obviously like the book is very much like Narcissa or, or Bellatrix they're like look that's that's Hermione and that's Ron so this must be it's like the bit with uh with Patrick in um so they did what I just did yes yes it's like the bit with <laughs> I'm going to pull my hair I'm Patrick Stargoing who are no, no, no. you people that's what I'm saying. it's like the bit from the one Mermaid Man episode of Spongebob where it's Patrick and uh what's his face the the, the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy villain oh uh, you're, yeah um, yeah I know <laughs> I, Man, Man Ray Man Ray right and and so and where where he's like so this ID it has your name on it therefore it must be yours makes sense no no, no. it's even further he's like I found this ID in this oh, yeah. wallet and if that's the case this must be your wallet sounds good to me then take it it's not my wallet <laughs> yeah it's the same way where it's like they very clearly they're like Draco th- this is this is Harry why what, what you doing there and he's like oh, oh that's God. probably Harry that infuriates me to no end <laughs> this movie is crap yeah <laughs> a little bit. once again not half blood prince crap but it's crap yeah um and then after that we get the wonderful dobby death scene mm-hmm. and then voldemort finds the elder wand and then the movie's over what are, what what are your thoughts final thoughts as we close out here it's weird to me that they don't go to bill like, Bill doesn't show up. Because that's Bill and Fleur's cottage. Yes. And they don't show up. Oh, in the movie, you're just like, where are they? Yeah, you're just like, they're on a beach. Because Ron says, like, oh, Shell Cottage. Yeah. 
but then there's also a thing where Ron was like says he's like in a pub like and that's when he yeah. finds them or yeah. that's when he starts looking for them and it's like why were you in a pub because it's established that he was in the book that he was with Bill and Fleur and he knows where Bill and Fleur are and he knows that they would hide them stop thinking Tyler stop thinking why not just have it be I was staying with Bill and Fleur in their new place Shell Cottage and then they tell Dobby, or Dobby Ron just jumps in he's like Shell Cottage and Harry nods it's and then this you're good. nice house on the beach and then we show up at the house on the beach <laughs> Hear me out here. And then, Hear me out. I know I go, this is crazy, but. <laughs> oh, God. Do, do we need to talk about, like, score or anything? Like, I, the score made, like, no it's impact almost not existing. This one. It feels. Yeah. Who directed, or directed, who scored this? Alexandre Desplat, right. some French name. He's he's done other things. I think he's like won Academy Awards before. I feel he's like been nominated. I feel like um, score composers are some of the most subject to or the most uh, vulnerable to phoning it in. <laughs> um, I think there a lot of times, maybe maybe even with this movie it's it's kind of like very easy to sort of i think of like michael giacchino a lot who like his score for um like inside out and up are a couple of things that come to mind where i'm just like and star trek of course where i'm just like these are incredible scores star trek the incredibles yes super eight yes and then but then he does something like doctor strange where it's like you basically just kind of did the same thing. It's fine, but it's it's the Star Trek theme, but with yes. mandolins. Yeah, and and so that, that's that's sort of, I think I think that happens with composers a lot, where it's just like they get called to do something, they're not really into it. They they're not inspiration doesn't hit them, whatever it may be, and they're just kind of like, eh. Giacchino did the score to Rogue One. Yeah. Do you remember the saw, score uh, to yeah, Rogue yeah. One? Well, to be fair, he's one of those composers that gets, like, five movies a year. And that's what I'm saying. They do, like, composers have so much work on their plate when they take on a movie. And they have... Yeah. They do so many movies a lot of the time. If they're popular composers, it's, like, not going to hold that against anybody. But certainly would have helped. You know, it's weird. And I might wait to do this until we finish Deathly Hallows Part 2. I feel like, aside from... Order of the Phoenix, I need to drop all of my scores. <laughs> all of them. Could be. Could be. Because I feel like they're... I'm happy with... Because of, because of the fact that I gave Order of the Phoenix such a high grade, I feel fairly yeah. happy with this, the distance between that and Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. I think those are both... See, now I my, my sort of take is like, okay, we've got those three. And those three yeah. were on the right track. We knew what we were doing. The movies were doing well. I enjoyed the movies. They had the heart... They had the emotion, they had the mystery, and then, or, basically they had the things I was looking for in those movies, based on the books and, and all that stuff, and they were genuinely good movies, and then nothing else is a genuinely good movie. I could probably yeah. dock down the first two. I, 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 would, I could see myself doing that. I don't think I would change three, four, and five. I feel like I need to drop all of them except five. 
Not by very much. It's, it's pretty, pretty much just like one level I, I, of my my grading. If, score. if you do this, I might knock off my my knock off half a letter grade from the first two. I'm gonna wait until Deathly Hallows Part Two. What did you give see where everything stacks? Blitz? I gave it a D. Okay. And now I'm thinking I need to drop that. Yeah. I um, gave it a D minus. I think I'm. <laughs> I think I'm giving this a D plus. Maybe that's harsh, but just as we were talking about it, you just kept mounting on more and more things that are necessary to this yes. story that they either should have just like cut out wholesale, a lot like the fourth one, or bring them up. Yep. And that's sort of my thing is that reading the seventh book. I, I need to see the actual payoff here, but I was I talked about this on the podcast. I was really really impressed with the fourth book in terms of how complex and intricate all the mystery in that is and all the different storylines that sort of weave together and how they all sort of weave this overall story of what's happening with like the wizarding world at large and like all that stuff right. um and then this one, the more I'm reading it, the more I'm feeling the same way, where I feel like this may actually be her most impressive in terms of just, like, everything that, like, there's so much that just gets set up and, and, and strung along and, and tied together in, in such an interesting, compelling way. Um, and the fourth movie did such a, we felt like did such a good job of, of kind of cutting through all that and getting to the point um, understanding for the most part, understanding what need to be just wholesale streamlined and cut out. Yeah, there, I mean we definitely had complaints. Uh, didn't give an A, but um, the it, it did such a good job of that by and large. Where this is just falling so so short, and it, the the fifth one did the same thing sort of, but there wasn't nearly as that movie is not or that book is not nearly as complex, and so there's not nearly as much to adapt, and so you have a lot more room to sort of take it where you want to take it. And yeah. this one just needs to be so much more well done than it is. It does make me wonder how much of it is just that all all the, these movies that we have problems with have the same screenwriter. Yeah. And just his approach to adapting the material. I don't know how much of it is him versus the studio or just like the directors that he works with. It's got to be know. directors at some point because I mean like the difference between two and three is massive. Like Yeah. In terms of just, or even if we don't like love Prisoner of Azkaban, the the clear cut change in competency and yeah. and actual filmmaking is is very stark, and and that it goes beyond just like the direction. Like I feel like the overall character handling and everything is so much better. Um, yeah. I don't know. Should have kept the guy who wrote Order of the Phoenix. Yep. Should have kept him on. Yep. I can't believe that these last couple of movies, like I've, <laughs> I, oh my god, yeah, I'm giving a, a part one a D plus. Maybe maybe that's harsh. I think I said the exact same thing about Half Blood Prince. Maybe this is harsh. Um, like I said, I, I feel like a lot of casual audience goers would be like, that that was just a bunch of nitpicks. You you can't just be one of those people who's like, well, it's not like the book, so it's it's not good. Like. 
I feel like Which people could see think, see me as being a bit of a snob. I think our with, I think our, my our fourth review fourth movie review kind of protects us from that and the fact that and the fifth one even to some extent where we're, those are not direct adaptations but we really enjoyed them and they they understood the story well enough to then do something different because they don't have time to be a four hour movie that gets every single plot point. The point is not that every single point we just mentioned should have been in the movie. The point is that they chose not to handle them at all. They yeah. chose to be like, eh, or that's they an handled them half-heartedly. Yes, and so it's just there are so many details that are instrumental to telling this story in a cohesive yes. way as it stands. Cohesion that they just is a good completely drop exactly. Yeah, cohesion is a good word for for how what this movie is kind of failing to achieve in terms of just like when you actually step back, there's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what are you giving it? I think I'm giving it a D for Deathly Hallows. Fascinating. I I really dropped your opinion yeah. here. What were you well, sitting at when we went so, into this? Because I, I remember you texted me at, like the halfway point of Deathly Hallows Part One. You're like, I think I'm sitting at like a B. I think by the end of the movie, it was closer to a C. <laughs> it just kept going. Okay. Um, and it, it is sort of like I I charged through enough of Deathly Hallows to get to this point in the, in the movie and or this point to get to the end of this movie which is at like it's actually like the two thirds point of the book how long is this is this eighth movie it's the shortest of all yeah. of them it's like two hours and ten minutes really okay it's still surprising cause like they this is like two thirds. That really of the way bothers through. me that it's the shortest. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, that that bothers me to know. The end. problem is at this point they've already missed so many chances to set things up and like. Yeah. It's like what do you, you? Well, it's just weird because like, isn't didn't we say Chamber of Secrets is like near three hours? Yeah. People are okay with a three-hour Harry Potter movie. Like, it's fine. Especially like. When we're yep. at movies seven and eight, I think people are invested enough to not be bothered by if there's an additional half hour. And that's something I mentioned and I want to revisit like really early on. I feel like we were on a good track. And then I really feel like the sixth and then these last two killed a lot of what... The, si the sixth one really damages a lot yes. of stuff here. And I, just make, Like all the stuff we were going through, there's so much setup that's just completely dropped that is instrumental yes. in making and, this story effective. And I feel like the sixth one goes through and by... I don't know, like, like the, these last three movies, I feel like by the end of it, it, and then we haven't watched the, the eighth one yet but I feel like you could have had a chance to really like I'm just thinking in terms of pure box office I feel like if they had continued on with the fifth one and I know the fifth one like critically was not as acclaimed as we thought maybe it should be but I think that's also one that, that a lot of people like people remember Umbridge yeah people love Umbridge like love the hater like like that's a really there's strong there's an Oscar character. buzz around her performance yeah yeah like that's that's a that's a big deal and like the I must not tell lies stuff. Like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that really stuck with people from that fifth movie. I feel like it was pretty iconic. Yeah, and it has kind of its own distinct style. And I, I think that they killed the chance to really build into the ultimate finale 
Um, and of course they did, and of course like a lot of people showed up for it, and like it had a huge opening weekend and all that stuff. But I don't know. I don't think this resonate. I feel like these last few books, there's no way they could have possibly or movies. There's no way they could have possibly resonated with audiences the way that they would if you had read the books and already kind of had the background knowledge, so that you can just kind of be like, oh, this sounds good. Like yeah. And even then, you're turning people away because you're not adapting it very well. I don't know. Yeah. A, a, and this is the problem. Adaptations need to stand on their own. Yes. Somebody who has not even heard about this property should be able to come in and watch the movie and be able to understand what's going on. Yes. And I feel and like... And not have a million questions. I feel like the third, fourth, and fifth movies are the only ones that do that. Yeah. Adaptation is a weird thing. Mm-hmm. What's well, just funny, like Lord of the Rings. I have not read the books, and I understand those just yep. fine. Like they're they're perfect mm-hmm. in terms of a new, unfamiliar audience member coming in. Yep. Oh God, this this makes me want want this this. HBO or Netflix yeah. miniseries all the more. Yeah. Same. I'm kind of like, I, I don't care if we have to recast. I mm-hmm. I, I think it's worth That's it. That, I told you. The only problem is all these, these uh, Fantastic Beasts movies are tied into these movies, which means we're not getting remakes anytime soon. Right. Unless they start crashing and burning. I don't think they will. And it is more J.K. Rowling. The, the, the fan base is too loyal. They'll they'll show up for anything. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a. And that's not that's not in a disparaging kind of way that I'm describing it. That's that's just how fandom is. Um, unless you go full Ryan Johnson with Star Wars, and then people just hate you. Mm-hmm. Uh. To very, very exaggerated <laughs> degrees. I don't know what you're talking about. Hashtag not my Harry Potter. Brian Johnson should direct this Harry Potter miniseries. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. I'm on board. I mean, all right, Tyler, we, we're cracking the code. <laughs> he he made a start on Breaking Bad. He directed, considered the best episode of Breaking Bad. Who's uh? Well, also he made what a lot of people think is the worst episode. Even of Breaking though Bad, that's secretly it's, the it, actual best episode of Breaking Bad. That episode is the fly is amazing. It is I'm, perfection. I need to rewatch that series, man. Anyway, continue. Question: Who is uh Brian Cranston playing in our Harry Potter miniseries? I know he's an American actor, but I don't. I don't care. <laughs> who who is he? Who is he playing? Is is he playing a, a Rufus Scrimgeour? Or someone, I don't know. Oh. He's Harry Potter. That we did it. Boom. Everyone else is cast. It's not it's not like we're not talking a we're not talking a post series like like, oh, this is Harry Potter when he's thirty. And nor are we talking about we're we're doing some weird thing where like all the kids happen to be like in their like we just start them off in their thirties and just pretend like Brian Cranston plays Harry Potter. Everyone else is unknown ten year olds. Yeah, yeah. I have no problem with this. Mm-hmm. We did it. Honestly, I think 
like I'm just trying to think of people who who would be good to take on this type of project, and I feel like J.J. Abrams might be good. Yeah, only because with Super Eight, he directs those kid actors. I agree. Fantastically. Oh no, yeah, totally agree. However, he does he does more sci-fi. He's he hasn't really done fantasy. I don't know how he would do. I feel that. like that would translate really well. well. Star Wars is sci science I mean, fantasy. So. I mean, Lost to some extent, not really fantasy, I guess, but like. Well, the thing is, he was only instrumental in the first right. season. After that, he kind of yeah. didn't. He kind of and dropped that's not off really sci or that is more sci-fi than fantasy, probably. But it's still, I think, I think his sensibilities would work really, really well for that. I'd be on board. You get yourself a J.J. Abrams, then you get yourself maybe a maybe a. Um, I forget is J.J. Abrams involved in the rest world, or is that just Jonathan Nolan? Yeah, it's J.J. Abrams. Yeah. It's, it's Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams. Boom, put him in. Put him in, coach. Well, I almost think, I feel like they may be an orthodox, but they get results. The, the Game of Thrones guys. I mean, they're pretty. I mean, people complain about when they deviate from the books, but when they're they're straight on the source material, nobody complains. And, and so hey, maybe just get them. Hey, you know, you know, to do what? straight you know, up adaptations. You know why they have to deviate from the books? Uh, let's let's not get into this because there's only five books, and there's going to be supposedly at least seven, and they have no idea what to do because they've been handed just an absolute mess and they were like uh wait you don't have a plan as opposed to jk rowling who is like maybe one of the most meticulous like authors ever even though she only writes young adult or has she's known for writing young adult novels she's like incredibly meticulous in terms of like plotting and character detail and everything everything is literally laid out for them it's 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 plug and play as far as far as if they want to change things to be more yeah. visual or more interesting or mix some stuff around. Yeah, yeah. They probably would not want to do that after they get done in Game. I think when they get done oh, in Game Thrones, they're, they're, they're like, no "Let's way. get out of here, please." <laughs> yeah, B- Benioff and Weiss. I <laughs> give think us, they are. give us give us some Star Wars because <laughs> that fan base won't hate anything we do. Regardless of quality, God, no, it's okay. It's okay. They'll be they'll be the screenwriters for uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, new trilogy. I feel like people would prefer that, right? I don't know. Although one of them, or maybe both of them, had had screenwriting credits on X Men Origins, so people would prefer Fun that fact. George Lucas uh, and Barack Obama uh, screenwrite the. Uh, like an, an, an just a reboot that just starts over from like Return of the Jedi. I've got I've got it. They they write it, but both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump <laughs> co-directed. I think we've taken this in, in a very different turn. I don't really know where I was Good. going it with it to begin with, but <laughs> we've turned this. I was into going in a place different. that would either anger no one or it would <laughs> anger everyone. So now we're done. Now we've now done we're both. done. We've done both. Everyone We've done our jobs. simultaneously angry and not angry. See, we subverted your expectations. <laughs> it's it's Schrodinger. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. It's Schrodinger's butthurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you need to get that. You need to get that on a t-shirt. Oh boy. But it like the back of it's like a bunch of stick figures chasing Ryan Johnson with lightsabers. <laughs> God. I want that so badly. Lord. 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you managed to get through us, wait, wait, you about can, how you much can, we secretly don't like this movie. I probably forgot to do this last time. You can find us on herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Here Come the Sequels there. And uh, yeah. Is this longer than our last episode? How no. did that happen? It's about this. Oh, maybe it is. Oh, you're what right. did you do? What did I do? What did you do? What are you talking about? I had my list. I went down it efficiently. <laughs> a very long list. It was a very right, long list. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done with this. Uh, art is subjective. Nothing is real. Good night and stuff. <laughs>